Guys, welcome to Minefields. My name is Joshua Michael. I've got Mr. Colin here, Mr. Tony Morales. Good evening, gentlemen. Hello. What is the hizzle for shizzle, my bizzles? I got to tell you, man, it is day 9,842 that Todd McFarlane has not returned my phone calls, my telegrams, <laughs> my text messages, my late night knocks on his door, and I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think that he doesn't want anything to do with me. <laughs> You just got to try harder. You know, um, I'm a little known oh. fact about Joshua Michael. The song "Stand" by Eminem is actually based on me trying to get a hold of Todd McFarlane. Oh, is that is that okay? Yeah, you got Dido in there because of that. No, yeah, yeah you know I'm a sucker for Dido. Uh, yeah, Who isn't Dido? No, I love Dido. Love her, love her. But you know, I'm starting. Yeah, to, yeah where are you, Dido? We I'm need more, another album, please. I'm starting to think that Todd doesn't want anything to do with me. I truly can't accept that, uh, considering that I'm paying his rent. And well, I don't think he's renting. Baseball cards or whatever. <laughs> I don't think he's renting. You don't think he's renting. <laughs> I don't think he's he renting. He has to rent some kind of space for his baseball card collection. And he's got to find an empty storage unit. I'm pretty sure Josh is paying Alex. for a lot more than his storage yeah. unit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's supposed to be like the world's largest storage unit if Josh is paying for it. My shopping cart at McFarlandToyStore.com is ridiculous. I'm waiting for my uh, bonus to come in at the end of the year, and it's going to be like a $300, $400 (laughs) purchase. Like, there's Lobo in there, there's a reverse flash, there's uh, the entirety of the Dark Knight Returns set, which I I know I'm going to kick myself for buying because the second I buy it, he's going to put on T, he's going to put on Instagram, like, hey, uh, I've got the special set that, you know, fuck you if you bought the one single. <laughs> Just like he did with uh, the, the Suicide Squad and fucking long, uh, White Knight. Oh. No, last, last, night on Earth, last Night on Earth. Yeah, yeah, but that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. I'm going to open them anyway. It's, it's fine. Um, we had an amazing As show. As a married man, it is never fine. It is never fine. Uh, by the way, never fine. By, by the way, so you're 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 going through. You're trying to get all six hundreds of detective. Nice working through yeah. it. Yep. You realize how dangerous that is. I think I've already got all most of the key issues, so I should be fine. No, the key issues is one thing, but when you get your first uh, night quest and night's end issues, then what? <laughs> I get by the other forty two. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. I was yeah. I'm currently in the. Trying to think. I'm working on. I've got the rest of Mutant Massacre coming in right now. I've got um, finishing up Hush. I'm only. I bought one issue. I'm eBaying. I'm bidding on like the other, the last two that I need. Um. And then on top of that, now that I've got the first appearance of Nightwing, which is part of the Judas contract, I've got to get the three other issues of Judas contract. Absolutely. Mm. Now, by the way, I'm, thank, a, I'm a collector. It's ridiculous. It's not. No, it's not. A, no, collecting is one thing. 
collecting is one thing, but a healthy obsession that keeps you from going completely batshit crazy from all the other shit we have to do throughout the week is a completely other different thing. However, are we talking about you or Tom McFarland now? Oh, uh, I'm definitely talking about how much you love Dido. Um, what we're, <laughs> I just, I just, uh, I love seeing the photos of, of Mrs. Morales being like, well, husband bought more comic books. Uh, they, a box came in the mail today full of comics and he comes home with a bag full of freshly bought comics. Hmm. Freshly bought. He got I lucky. can quit anytime I want. I just don't want to. <laughs> Tony got lucky, man. Tony got lucky. He 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 uh, he got his. No, you have uh, no idea. My my wife puts up with a lot of my all my crap, so it's ridiculous. I put up with your crap too. Not the way she does. Oh, please God, no. <laughs> now speaking the opposite of crap, tell us about New Era this weekend or last weekend. Oh, New Era was great. Freaking had um. I'd say probably, you know, minute by minute, the best show we put on since the uh, since we came back three shows ago. Yep. Freaking uh, largest crowd we've had, loudest crowd. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was excellent. Good times. Freaking, you know, guys killed it. Girls killed it. You know, can't wait to uh, get to it December 4th, mile high on Jason Street in Denver, Colorado. $10 gets you in. $10 exactly. Gets that, $10 gets that ass in the seat. Well, now, it was, plus it, we are doing a benefit for toys to to, Toys for Tots. Oh. Oh, nice. Okay. We we give back. We give back. That we do. Uh, weirdest thing that ever happened to me at a wrestling show um, was I was getting on one knee to put uh, do a bug's eye view of uh, Dr. Silver. And I put my knee right, the you know, the, the main poles that hold, you know, the sides? Mm-hmm. And at the bottom, it's a flat metal piece, but it's thick metal. I put my knee straight into one of the corners of that, and it hurt Ooh. like an absolute oh, wow. motherfucker. Like, like it was, it was a, I've got a high pain tolerance, and that was a, a, a flex a knee-jerk reaction. The second that went down, I popped right up, and I, 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 I I couldn't steady the camera and I put my ass in the first seat I saw and I'm trying to hold the camera at Dr. Silver and I look over to my right and this old lady just fucking biffs it. <laughs> like like yeah. her, her, her head just falls right at my feet. Like like just flat like that. Like Wait, her, what? She just like fell over tri- because yeah, she Josh tripped it tripped an old lady. Like, Josh yeah. tripped an old lady. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> I, I would like to take credit for that. Uh, however, <laughs> I was in too much pain during the city's camera. Um, yeah, that was then. Uh, Doctor Silver. Uh, once we figured out that everything was all right, uh, what did he say? It was one of the like, this show's not about you. Oh, the pop was great. Complete, uh. <laughs> completely erased the distress and concern. Uh, not that that. Not that we weren't concerned about her anymore, but like the show needed to go on and he was still Dr. Silver and couldn't break <laughs> character. And once, once he understood, you know, everything was fine. You know, he, he, he nailed it. Uh, he is getting amazing at promos, by the way. He's, he's now a one take, one take. Uh, we got to come up with a term Jake? for this. One take, Jake? one take promo. Like just like one take Jake. It works. One take, Jake. That's what we want to say. You get an actor out there on on a set, and they, you get in one take, and bow, they get it on the first time. Like, Whoa! Yep, that's um, that's Meryl Street. That's how it's done, gentlemen. That's how it's done. Mm-hmm. Also, picking the name yeah. as it comes up, I dig it. 
That's how we do Iconic. <sighs> we got some good comics to talk about. What am I missing before we start going to comics, gentlemen? We, we accidentally did Minefields After Dark before we started. Glad we got that out of our systems. Yeah, it's something we have to get out of our systems ahead of time. Like, bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing. Bleepity bleep. Yeah, it's, it's definitely rated R. It's the it's the paid content, I guess. It's a it's a paid R for ridiculous. <laughs> it's a nice one. It, it, it's a solid like mid eighties action movie R, like just a steady R, but not really crossing in sixty seventeen. N sixteen seventeen. NC seventeen. NC seventeen. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's uh, there's uh, a little iffy parts. We're still gentlemen. This is a gentlemanly sport. Why aren't we smoking cigars? We're trying to be. I have one cigar here. I could. I, I keep thinking maybe I'm going to get a pipe at some point, like do do some uh, do some pipe smoking, but it just hasn't materialized yet. No, I, I'm. I've got. A, I just uh, threw down on a, on a place, and I am definitely. Yeah. I definitely have a humidor in my. Uh, buy it now on Amazon. I want. I want a nice little humidor with. If uh, you two gentlemen are over, I think uh, we should take the trigger drill outside and uh, have a couple uh, stogies. Dude, yeah, I love cigars. It's been a long time since I had a cigar. I, 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 know, I just, want, couple, I just want like a glass vase I can put peanut butter M and M's in. Oh, of course. Okay, I'm kind of lame. I will you just do that out, for your writer. I will break out the fine china for you. I will put those M and M's in either your choice, my page glass. My AJ oh, glass. Oh, that's cool. My AJ glass, my Kevin Owens glass, or my Stone Cold glass. Uh, AJ for me, thanks. <laughs> I'm old school. I'm going to go Stone Cold. Yeah. That's a good idea. First time he came over to our, uh, my place here, I made him breakfast, and I, I gave him some juice and a Stone Cold. Now, in uh, Kevin Owens, he's like, oh, you're breaking out the fine china. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for understanding that. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I, I love it. I, I, I love was it, you guys. breaking out the fine china for you. He was he was eating on a paper plate, but that, that juice was delicious. And <laughs> it really completed the, the meal. Yes, it did. It did. Brought it full circle. Sweet. Uh, yeah, man. My 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 feet are still killing me from from running around like a like I I was worried I couldn't pull that off. I got all the promos filmed. I got all of the footage from the the matches, and it's just I got some really good ideas. Sky was an absolute like she is an untapped resource. Has so many good ideas. Like when I asked her to like uh, add some extra things to what she was announcing, she's like, "How about I do it like this?" And I'm like, "Fucking do that!" <laughs> like. Awesome. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. That like uh, how well she looks out for the wrestlers. How well she, um, she's an exciting announcer, and I I love that you know like she's she's got her baby there, Doobie's there, and you know like he's not going to be okay until January. But even then, like they're they're a wrestling family, and she's holding the baby, and yeah, you're the future New Era Women's Champion. I'm like, she is the New Era Women's Champion. That's gonna happen. <laughs> that yeah. that's gonna happen. What do you guys want to do first? Um, I want to hear about this Joker you've been talking about. All right, let's 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 go down the list, guys. We got Star Trek uh, Next Generation, last the last generation, Star Wars number eighteen, Dark Rock number three, Star Trek Mirror War number two, Rob, Robin and Batman number one, I am Batman number three, Joker number nine, and Newburn number one. Uh, Tony, uh, you uh, take point on this one, man. All right, so we uh, we start off here with. Uh, 
our hero Jim Gordon and Vengeance. They're driving to find the Joker. And Vengeance's whole thing is that she is has all these thoughts implanted by her by the people that created her in Santa Prisca. Right. So she's not sure what hatred of the Joker is hers and what is has been implanted. So she's trying to get Jim to tell her everything about the Joker so she can basically make her own decision. And anybody who knows Jim's uh complicated (laughs) complicated relationship with the joker yeah good um for those who don't know he uh shot his daughter um he he murdered he he forced his second wife to basically kill herself in a room full of babies and he he killed he killed his son yeah don't and and i'm not trying to be crass here or crude but wasn't the implication that that Babs was raped? The implication they they never actually out and out said it, but there's always there's, it's like the implication that at the end of the Killing Joke, um, Batman actually murders the Joker. Right. Yeah, the implication's there, but, but you now, know we don't we don't we don't know for sure. Now I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I've got on my notes here that I want to talk to you about a couple things about this specific thing. Thank you for adding that extra gem there because uh, I didn't mm-hmm. re- I I never got that from Killing Joke and I've read it a hundred times. Um, the fact that they this is a this Joker book is a canon book. This is Tinian. This is mm-hmm. um, I don't remember them implicating the. The killing joke so superbly as canon, because if you accept that as canon, then you're accepting the origin of the Joker within those pages as canon. Uh, The fake Red Hood. Yeah. And I know they've mentioned it before, but not not like this. And especially how they made they showed Jim so subservient within the the confines of that the broken down carnival. Um, how do you feel about that? Do you, do you do you accept the Long Halloween as the definitive Joker origin, or are you complicated by the Fight Club esque uh, Fight Club two and three specifically the graphic novel we've talked about before, where Tyler is a is an idea that transcends space and time yeah. because they yes because yeah, yeah, yeah. because they did that. When Snyder took when, took the reins, and then before we got mm-hmm. the medal, how do you feel about that as the Batman aficionado here? I don't really. Well, is uh, first off, Long Halloween was Two Face's origin, not Joker's. Oh, I, I, meant, I meant to say. Uh, uh, sorry, my bad. Uh, oh, you good? But uh, but no. Uh, personally, I prefer it. You know, I think yeah, we don't necessarily. I mean, that's the whole joy of the Joker. We don't need an origin story. And like they've got, they kind of toyed around with it a little bit in uh, Three Jokers as well, right? Because I mean, obviously, you know, if we're talking about that, freaking at the end of Three Jokers, we discovered that um, his wife and child were still alive, oh, that and was... Batman knew who they, and Batman knew who he was, and Batman knew where his wife and child were. I popped for that. I know you didn't, but I did. Yeah, that that was like the one part. Like that was the one part I really didn't mind because like I. 
my whole distaste for the three jokers is the fact that at the end of the day we were back down to one joker so absolutely nothing changed with the notable exception of now we know that joker's wife and child are still alive somewhere right now um the reason why we're going so in depth here is because uh, I'm going to go ahead and call this as a definitive issue. Uh, if you did not get this issue, uh, you fucked up. Like there is, there's. I, I, I want to say we're going to end up spending probably 30 minutes on this one issue because there's like 10 bullet points I have that are. I. When was the last time you got a book like this that was so definitive? And gave you goosebumps and knew that this was going to just have so many repercussions um, when it was on the stands, when it was in your pool list, as opposed to, like, having to hunt this bitch down. Um, I mean, like I said, freaking really, it's it's interesting. Just It's not so much like it's going to lead into the future, per se, but it ties so many key points together. Exactly. Which is massively impressive. Which we'll get into in a set in yeah. Batman and Robin later, because well, like, they if also. If it's something that everybody has to pay attention to henceforth, you know, like okay, I'm the new writing, I, I'm the new, we're the new creative team, but we we can't not pay attention to that. Agree. You know, I feel like. Uh, do you guys feel like DC is better at doing that kind of stuff? If someone with the huge lineage of characters can come in and do something that everybody's like, no, this is good. We need to, we need to do something with this. We need to keep this can come in and do that and get all of these different personalities to, uh, to agree to accept that. I mean, that's, is that something that happens better over at that brand than I'm going to say Marvel because I just feel like Marvel's always doing something crazy and it never makes much of a difference. Tony, you got the ball. Yeah. Um, I would really, I would say so. Like DC's really, especially with, uh, since infinite frontier started, um, has really made it a point to interlock books, you know, almost like the, uh, the MCU. Good. Yeah. You know, um, it's, the, yeah. the closest thing I can Good. think of to it currently in Marvel would be the Hickman Hickman X Men. Like you know, we made it, Josh made it a point to freaking get a get me on to how, uh, House of Ten and or House of X and Powers of Ten to set up for Inferno. Mm-hmm. And like that was only, but that was only like three years ago. You know, at this point in this book, we're tying in you know um, Santa Prisca with. You know, death in the family and Ooh. killing joke. And we're we're putting we're putting all these Batman books like the last twenty, thirty years of history and we're interlocking it in a way that while Marvel could do it, they're not doing it. You know, like the powers of X, House of Ten, or ten, Powers of Ten, House of X, you know, was like <laughs> two years ago. Yeah. As so like like I said, uh Death in the Family, I believe, is nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, maybe. No, I'm, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like believe that. you're correct. That's a long time ago. I believe you're correct. You know? the 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 implications here in 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 to answer your question, um, DC does the emotional value, like mm. they, they they have a mindfulness to it. I'm gonna throw one of those new buzzwords in there. Um, no, that's a great buzzword. Where, dude. This is the mind feels. Where DC is interconnecting the books. 
I don't feel like I am being cheated. I I don't feel like I have to buy every goddamn issue. I do feel that the recaps that they give us are just enough. And if I have the inkling to go to Ed's, uh, future sponsor, um, he'll have it for me. And uh, I can connect the dots uh, accordingly, as opposed to when I read Marvel, when a million different things are happening, I can easily say that Wolverine's in like five different books or maybe six and yeah. this is happening here, but how is that happening there when this is happening over here? Um, they, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. But DC gives you uh, a choice to choose, but they also have it loose enough that it validates all the other comic books that are happening at the same time. And what Tinian is doing right now, uh, how he's done... Uh, superb is not the word. He's a he's a Mozart. He's a maestro. Uh, he's he's a genetically superior writer than anyone on the planet right now. But um, <laughs> Scott Steiner. Oh, I, and, and we were talking about that the other day. Like I, I, I think he's like Snyder. Snyder barely had fifty something or sixty something issues, and um, he had no. He did not have an impact. The way that that Tinian's doing, and that that answers your. I think I hope that answers your question, Colin. But I want to, uh, Tony. Like I said, you you've got the ball. Like, uh, so we're we're going to Gordon showing uh, vengeance his experiences with with Joker, and they're pulling up to a ragged ass mansion. Yep, he's pulling up to ragged, you know, raggedy old mansion. And freaking, you know, we're we're kind of we get a first little interesting bit here because, you know, he's talking um, he's talking with Barbara a little bit, and they're talking about um, apparently years ago the Joker was sold a cruise missile by oh, somebody yeah. in charge of yeah. Santa Prisca, mm-hmm. a contact within the government, and he le- he ended up le- uh, leveraging the missile for power, and that was. You know, linking linking Santa Prisca and and the United States government to an extent to a death in the family where they killed Jason Todd Robin. You know, which is you know huge to think that, like I said, this you know this story, and it gives a lot of uh, a lot of power to this story, being like you know this this is connected. You know, like I said, thirty years ago. It's you know. It's yeah, not, they go into this. It's not retconning; it's revalidating and adding extra spice. Oh, yeah, they're walking up to this, you know, dilapidated old mansion, and there's just just people just dead, and there's bullet holes in the wall, and everybody's dead, and everybody's smiling, and we see the Joker sitting with this gentleman having a cup of tea. I, I like to think chai tea That's myself. That's Joker. Yeah, especially after, uh, especially after the imposter, right? Yep. So Joker, you know, so vengeance, you know, freaks out, goes after him, and then we see this this old man's Joker just says, "Orchid hammer obsidian," and those three words just boom, shut down vengeance. She's a Manchurian candidate. Yep. Shut down for five minutes. Can't do anything. And it won't yeah. work again. 
Yep, so you got five minutes to make this work. You know, and Joker's just, you know, trying to sit down here and just have a conversation with his old buddy Jimbo. Yeah, we find out, you know, this guy is basically the guy in charge of the, the program that created Vengeance. What is that guy's name? Yeah, and his, his name's Fred. I'm trying to see what his last name is here. I don't have it off the top of my head. It's, it's not Randolph Porter. Or Timothy. Is it Randolph? Randolph Randolph Porter, that's who he is. And he was working in cahoots with uh, disgraced uh, General Timothy, Timothy Slaycroft. Ah, I gotcha. But yeah, no, we find out that... Um, Basically, they're creating, you know, they're creating humans, but basically for the uh, for the sole purpose of cannibalism, of you know, for the rich. Oh, that was that was gnarly. Oh, they're they're just making empty shells for the uh, for cannibals to eat, like rich cannibals that pay exuberant amounts of money. Yeah, and and when he mentions that there's secret secret menus and all of the Michelin star restaurants for people that prefer the taste of human meat. That's and I, like I said, that just takes it up to a, a whole other level, you know. It's, it's basically a human farm. He's okay. You know, he works he works closely with a handful of chefs and butchers to genetically engineer brain dead human bodies with the right musculature and fat content to create wonderful slabs of meat. But they're so it's human meat, but they're not from living persons. They grow human they grow living people that have no consciousness, so they are essentially grown Ooh. dead. And to the proportions that are expected for whatever slabs of meat that whatever butcher wants to cut them for, um, we the 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 laboratory itself is um, <sighs> tell them about tell them about the Joker copies. So we're doing so, and they talk about trying to uh, to clone the Joker, basically. And they bring up that the uh, the chemicals that stained his skin damaged his genetic material. That means they uh, basically creating any kind of double of him is a fool's errand. You know, if you if you see the attempts, you know they're gruesome to behold. You know, we've got fat Jokers, Jokers with four arms, Jokers with two heads. Just these deformed, you know, hideous, hideous, you know, bodies. Abominations of, of nature. Sick. It's like that scene in Alien 4. Yeah. Kill me. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Jim's just sitting here watching this, trying to bring himself to pull the trigger. Because the whole thing is that, you know, if he kills a Joker, he gets $25 million. Who's offering him that? Uh, the uh, the Court of Owls. We just found that out last month. Oh, okay. Okay, got you. Now, when 
when Vengeance and Gordon are driving there, you can sense an immense sense of relief from Jimbo, from you know, to borrow the parlance of uh, Mr. Uh, Joker there, that he's not going to have to kill the Joker. He is basically feeding... He's feeding bullets into the magazine of the machine gun that is Vengeance, giving him the true blue. And she can tell if he's lying. You, you, can, you, you know it. Uh that he's relieved that, okay, um, I'm protected. Vengeance is going to kill the Joker for me. I'm not going to have to do this bullshit. And what I want is still going to happen and my hands will still be clean. When we encounter the mad scientist, who I have to say Tinian is just superb in when it comes to describing the characters because the artist nailed it. Uh, the, the, the mad scientist, and you know him, you guys know him a huge mark for mad scientists. He's got, um, his eyes are ridiculously blue and stained black around his eyes. They're, they're sunken in, in a way that is uh, otherworldly, or are you dead or alive? Um, mm-hmm. Going down to the catacombs of this house, which is rigged to blow, which he, the, the mad scientist knows that Joker is rigged to blow, and he, he, he has no fear for whatever reason, that, like... Like, he's showing him all his secrets. The last time, and this is no exaggeration, the last time I had such goose pimples for an origin story was Weapon X by Barry Windsor Smith. Like, um, rather than getting a, a voyeur's view of what happened to Wolverine, we're getting, uh, imagine if... Rather than all the things that ha- happened with Department H, Chuck uh, Xavier was mm-hmm. Jim Gordon and got led into uh, Department H Underground Canada, met Hines, met the professor, um, and they showed him around without any fear about what he could do. Uh, knowing full well he could mind wipe him and do whatever he wanted, Jimbo's got a gun to all these guys' heads. He He's not... He's he's scared of shit. He's seeing instances of cannibalism. The fact that uh, they have genetic material for all the capes that that the man says, says yeah, our our business is to operate underneath the uh, completely clandestine to avoid the capes and, and avoid like this is what we do. Um, Tony, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they had Bruce Wayne DNA. Or Batman yeah, DNA. Yeah, they had Batman DNA. After so all these they've years, how could they on Batman not? Or not. Right. That, that, it, it always gets me this idea that any of these characters could be so uh, untouchable, you know? Right. So at a certain point, I'm like, yeah, of course somebody's got Bruce Wayne DNA. How can yeah. you even prove that any of the, any of these Batman children or, you know, like Damien anyways, is actually his kid. There's no way that they, that this gentleman escorting them throughout the uh, laboratory, the laboratory, is the original copy. There's no way. Oh, yeah, no. No, there's no way. Yeah, no, on top of that, they're talking about uh, basically making their own supervillain army because, you know, they've got all this DNA they can use. And that's basically where they, uh, and then he wants to put him against Batman to kind of almost use it as a commercial to be like, hey, you know, 
if we created people that could beat the Batman, you guys could pay for him, and then you'd have your own army of supervillains. And that's when Jimbo decides to finally pull the trigger right there, right at him, freaking dead to rights, and there's no bullets in the gun. Uh because of course there's no bullets in the gun. Of course there's not. Do do you sense, uh, Tony? Do you sense a sense of fear in the Joker, especially the way they're uh, portraying the anger in his face? Uh, the the way the sunken back eyes go back is how I would draw someone that is angry but scared. Uh, when we see the Joker clones, and you know Jimbo's just looking at everything and surveying the situation, the the eyes of the Joker. Um, but I, I got a sense of fear because that's how I would draw draw the eyes. What do you think? Uh, I did. I didn't pick up on it, but uh, you know, I'm not an artist. But I definitely, you know, he, he definitely seems intrigued. But like, he's I mean, he's a Joker. <laughs> Does he really, you know, can he fear? Like, we've never really seen the Joker terrified. Something's got an interesting concept. That is an yeah. That's amazing. I've never thought about it. I'm not saying I've sat there and read hundreds of Joker-related comics, but when you look at that character, you never see any fear at all. Maybe in the Batman '89 movie, and maybe the cartoon version, voiced by Mark Hamill, occasionally showing some kind of fear, but you never know if it's legit at all. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see a, a story where the Joker was terrified of something. I think mm-hmm. the only time I ever, off the top of my head, was terrified of something was the Mask of the Phantasm. But even then, that was. Yeah. A, but even then, that was still a joke. Yeah, I mean, he had Superman coming at him in Justice, and still was, you know, not not afraid to the end. No. <clears throat> not at all. Mm. But yeah, just then we have the uh, the can. Speaking of uh, cannibals, we've got the Samson family coming in, and they kill this guy quick as they can. And the Joker just almost seems mad about it. He does look so. the, the 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 look on his face. I, I I'm looking at it right now, like motherfucker. <laughs> I was gonna tell a joke, or even just like you stole my stage. But even then, yeah, and then they grab the Joker, put a some type of chemical to knock him out in his carotid artery, and then they end up stabbing Jim. Just leaving him for dead. Right long, by the way, if, if, you, if you minefielders are uh, interested. Right long. And then next thing you know, he awakens to see Vengeance is pissed. Just yelling, where is he? And all he can say is, Texas. <laughs> All right. You know, and then she ends up uh, leaving him for dead as well because apparently nobody cares about good old Jimmy Gordon. And Jim ends up calling and calling Barbara. You know, and as she's trying to talk to him, he completely loses consciousness. And the final scene is actually. Um, a couple of issues ago, we saw that the uh, the Talons had attacked the Batgirls and uh, and Barbara, and Cassandra Kane had to fight him off. 
And it turns out that the, uh, the talent in particular that attacked him was an exact DNA match for James Gordon Jr. Fucking awesome. Is he a clone or what? What's the deal? It, it doesn't matter. The prodigal matter. son has returned. It, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's fucking awesome, man. Like, like this is... <laughs> this... The, the, the way they tied everything together... Uh, like, Tony, like... And I, didn't, I, didn't, I know you don't like using this word, but I'm going to use it just for the implication. As a Batman, Mark, all these... All these origin of the origin within one issue like mm-hmm. I read this issue three times how did it make you feel are you scared are you worried um, or are you just excited I'm excited to see what happens next I mean this one this one was hitting on all cylinders you know we got we got callbacks like I said to freaking to death in the family we got callbacks to killing joke we got callbacks to you know the first story of the, the Batman and the new 52 the court of owls yeah you know we've gotten all this you know we got this all mixed together we've got the Samson family kidnapping Joker we've got a, a, a human farm you know, we've got all this insanity going on. You know, we're finding out more about the origin of Venom. The uh, the military, the government created Venom, and at the same time, they were selling nukes and freaking. You know, it's it's how far down you know how far down does a rabbit hole go? It's you know adding in all this history. You know, for a long time Batman fan, that's pretty freaking awesome. To be like, oh, you know, they're hitting this, they're hitting this, they're hitting this, and they're they're wrapping it together, but it all makes sense. It really does. And the, you know, it, it's just layers upon layers upon layers. And one of my favorite parts about this entire book is it doesn't feel like a cash grab. It feels mm-hmm. like someone that is trying to add extra layers to the story without without stepping on toes like I, I can imagine all the people that were involved in writing all the books that were touched upon thinking like fuck what did I think that <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> like, like, like holy shit and, and then when when Jimbo passes out um yeah Babs is is communicating but the face on the phone I'm thinking Seer I'm thinking Seer, and and I want to rewind back to the fact that. But he's, I mean, he's on the phone. Can he get deactivated for any reason? The same no, way as this other guy. No, right now someone has uh, hacked Babs's uh, infrastructure, uh, computer, internet, like everything, and mm-hmm. is acting as her to the Gotham public during Free State, pretending to be Oracle. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. it's not Oracle. And to rewind to what Tony was talking about earlier. Um, and what we were both talking about um, about canon is I'm, I don't trust this face on the phone on the last panel because Seer's happening and whether or not it's Seer or it's Babs is like uh, you know Avatar um, the continuity of what's going on in DC is that goddamn good I'm suspicious Tony, am well, I, at least they're having the conversations they need to have to be able to, you know, tie these books all together. Well, after when when uh, James Gordon Jr. died, like it, it, in in metal, 
it was it was a it was a stone cold bummer. <laughs> like it was like he he tried, he really tried, and like they're pulling they're pulling at the heart from all four ventricles here, man. Like we're 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 talking in the skin, the veins around it, like in, and it doesn't feel like a cash grab. It feels like someone that really is passionate about Batman. And, um, I gotta hope that when we're on the hunt, that when you complete your 600, I'm there to see it. I'm getting close. I gotta put all the rest of it together. You're gonna do the countdown, which ones I need. But yeah, no, I think, uh, personally, I think for this, I almost like, I don't feel like this is outside of continuity, obviously, but I definitely feel like this is pre-Fear State. So I don't, I don't, they haven't haven't brought anything into that. So I think this is definitely Barbara on the phone, but I think, uh, I think this is probably pre, pre Scarecrow. Well, she's, she's definitely in the clock tower because on the last page, uh, if you look past the computer screen, you see gears. The the punchline story afterwards. Um, I'm really suspicious of this girl. Um, she the, the friend from high school. Yeah, the friend from high school. I, I I think this is, I think this is all a fucking the most elaborate crime story. I I do not. I don't believe that girl, the brunette, saying how I was outcast and punchline didn't like me no more. I think it's all a ruse. I think it's all part of the plan. I wouldn't doubt that at all. I mean, that's the one thing about Punchline that they've really kind of, you know, put uh, put their best foot forward with that she is, you know, she's her own character. And she's got, again, schemes upon schemes upon schemes, levels upon levels. You know, every time you think you've got her, she, you know, is able to get to work around it. That's the most we can really say for that, because it's just—I feel like the story was just written to raise suspicions. Dude, you got to have a good setup book now and again. Something that's gonna just set up whatever the, the build-ups. You know, it all—it all—it makes those payoffs that much more worth it. But if they have. If they have their own groundbreaking material within them, then it just makes the whole story better. I agree. In the long run. Yep. You know? Now, as we close the book on uh, Joker, the last page is the, adver- the advertisement of One Dark Night. And I'm like, great. We just, Tony and I just had like a 30 minute conversation two weeks ago about like following the, bl- the black label. Uh, with probably a mistake to miss something, and we get one Dark Knight advertisement written and drawn by Jock. Uh, Tony, uh, I'm not sure if you pay attention to the artist, but Jock is a legendary artist. Like his shit should be in the Met, in in uh, in Metropolis and Manhattan. I can't wait for this. I'll, yeah, I've been, I'll, I'll I keep, I keep saying I'm going to stop, and then freaking every time I turn around, there's another freaking uh, there's another six six part mini series, twelve part maxi series that comes out. I'm like, Jesus. Yeah, Belanger has a problem with it because that's what why the uh, comic <laughs> industry is so uh, cornered because where Image will release five titles a uh, uh, 
five or ten titles uh, a week, uh, DC released ten titles of Batman, and guess where the money's going? And unfortunately, I can't side with him in this one because everything that's been happening with Batman in the past, like, since you joined Minefields, everything's been great. I can't think of anything bad we've written. Red. Yeah. Ah, uh, Batman Reptilian. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right about that one. But Jock, with the second I saw Jock as written and drawn by, and then, oh, God damn it, and then, let's take a break from Batman for a second. Colin, give us uh, give us some Star Trek. Let's go to Space Room. I, I got, definitely had one more Batman question. I'm sorry. Okay. I got no, I, I I to Do you guys, look, Batman was what it was for, you know, freaking 20 years until 89 and a little bit before that, of course, because of Frank Miller and Batman as a feature, as a movie, changed the whole Batman shtick. And Batman has been the like, I know that I know that everybody wants, you know, Superman's got to be that big deal. And Wonder Woman has had a hell of a push in the last like six years. I don't know when the first Batman or first Wonder Woman movie came out now, but uh, you know, in a while. And so, is Batman allowed to be not good? Is it the single most important? Is it the is it the is it the goose at the head of the V? Is it like is it the flagship book for DC? And well, DC does it, stand for Detective Comics. Huh? DC yeah, does exactly. stand for Detective Comics. Yeah, that's there's that. But, you know, for decades it was Superman. And I'm just saying since since 89, has Batman ever not necessarily been good? Tony, you got the ball. There's always been at least one Batman title that has been totally kicking ass, right? Yeah. No, it's definitely it's definitely hard to think. I mean, because, like... You know, we had that, and then right around the '90s, we had freaking Bane coming in, and mm-hmm. they, they, it does. Like, I could legitimately think, especially you know, Tinian's run. We've gotten so many fresh takes on characters and new characters, and you know, we had the War of Jokes and Riddles. But we've had a plethora of really, really good Batman stories, and it, it's kind of hard to maybe it's because I don't read. Like I'm not a, I'm not a huge Superman fan. I don't read Wonder Woman, you know. But like I read like Flash, and Flash hasn't had like Flash had year one, which was cool. But like it's it's really hard to dictate that. Like it's hard to say that there's any one comic that I look forward to that's not a uh, at least a Bat Family book. You know, like yeah, like okay. Nightwing and whatnot. Yeah. Like, I, I, maybe it's me personally, or maybe it's freaking overall. But, like, you know, personally, I, I would feel that the Batman books do are uh, probably head and shoulders above the rest. They're absolutely Okay, superior. yeah, that answers that question. I wondered. I mean, it's they're, like, they're can, any, can this book, how is it, like, you know, I think about it, and I'm like, as a Marvel guy, I can't think of the last time Daredevil wasn't good. And like, yeah, that amazes me when, uh, when if you sh- get uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, 
uh, my raising my hand here. Shadowland. Yeah, but is Shadow is Sh- well? Let me let me ask you this because I don't remember off the top of my head. Was that an ancillary title or was that a promotional? That in, was in, that in, was an event. It was a full on event. It was garbage. But it was this, it was an event in the title. It wasn't a side. Book. It, it was canon event in the title. Yeah, and he took over the hand, oh, yeah. and it was fucking stupid. Dude, yeah, I don't know. I, I well, so. that's a whole other conversation, and of course, this is the channel where we would have that conversation. But it makes so much sense to me. You know, if we can go in and say like uh, Daredevil gets pissed off at everything, and is like, "You people need a kingpin. I'm your kingpin." Okay. I'm in charge now. Dude, that's where I really started reading it and being like, this is gutsy. I've never thought of that. That's amazing. And like, okay, it's the hand. What? Who, who better to take over and eat? Look, I'm telling you right now, and I'm giving away a huge thing that I think is an extraordinarily relevant, eventual trope. And it's something that I'm working on in stuff that I'm writing. You know, you've got a guy. You, hey, somebody's going to take over. Who can control the bad guys by beating up on them all the time? But if you can take over, then if you can take over and be their boss, then maybe that's something that, that works. Maybe that's yeah. how you control those people. And I think that's something that he's toying with, that they're toying with and all of the Daredevil for a long time. And uh, and then you know what the hell is going to go? I'm just, just silly, but what's going to go on with this Boba Fett TV series? He's taking over Job of the Hutt's former thing. What? How long ago was that? You know, I guess in the story it was probably like two years or something. But whatever, you know, it's that concept. I don't see that as being a problem. I think Daredevil should take over the hand and stay in charge for a while. Help me, but in- I, I digress. This no, is a lot. No, 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 hold on. Uh, I, I want to get some meat and potatoes in this, like. Uh, mm-hmm. Not the full entree, but the way we first time hung out with Dan and we split a steak and we had the mushrooms and the onions and the balsamic vinegar and I was like, trust me, and you're like, hell yeah. Oh, Dan, different Dan. I was thinking of other Dan. I digress. Uh, Why why is this this question so important to you? I'm not questioning that it's important to you. I want to know why. Oh, I'm sorry. I never got to it. That's the problem. Uh. You've got Batman, which may be the flagship title of DC, and it totally makes sense. And I appreciate you bringing up that it's Detective Comics because I don't always, I don't, I don't, don't often think of it like that. Uh, but like, I'm, I, I came out of nowhere, and I was just like, oh, I can't think of the last time. No, 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 no. I'm, and, not, I'm not questioning your passion. I'm questioning your. No, no, no. Your I know you're not. Uh, what I'm saying, yeah, because I'm talking about the the narrative here. What, what gets me is if you've got nine Batman books coming out and it's because they sell and they're pretty, they're pretty great, like they're all staying good, then that seems to be a, a thing that works. Why can't Marvel make that work? Why are there seven spider books? And I'm, I'm counting all the Venom stuff. That is Spider-Man books. Yeah, Venom and then like. And then, like, what, you know, and all of the X books and whatever, and then, like, it's all these ancillary titles, you know, Strange Academy and Avengers Academy, think- Young Avengers and stuff like that. It's just like, what, why, why are we still trying to tack on less than perfect stuff to things that are foundering? I, and it's like, I, I guess, I guess the question 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the question. I don't At think least Batman works. I don't think that DC is vibrating the same frequency as Marvel. I think Marvel and God, I, I don't want to sound like one of those losers getting pissed off at what's going on in Marvel cinematic history. Um, there's so much more care involved with what DC's doing. There's soft hands, like where if you took your comic book to sell to a pawn shop and they're handling your something with their bare greasy hands, not that they've got greasy hands, but they still... <laughs> yeah, they no, really, I know what you mean. But oh, they, they got greasy hands. Oh, oh the pawn shop guys, 100%. <laughs> Uh, but even then, when it comes to when it comes to DC, the the writers are handling it with like cloth gloves. This is important. Mm-hmm. People care about this. People actually relate to these things. Like, um, for example, in the uh, what's the latest issue, uh, Justice League, the the last ride. There was so much care involved in that. It, it was a knockdown drag out, but it was a lot of emotional capability. Um, in, in maturity, where where a Marvel uh, and God, I don't, don't want to sound like an asshole, where I think DC will handle something with that sort of emotional maturity, as opposed to where Marvel will handle something like uh, if they did a survey, what are your natural emotions? I'm mad. I'm sad. I'm horny. I'm drunk. Okay, but if you're talking to someone that is really into Green Lantern and Flash and uh, the the deep dives of what Bendis is doing, literally anything happening in Batman right now that Tinian's doing, well, I, I got to say I was I felt a little um, upset uh, because I my memories were intruded upon and they absconded with a idea that I really wanted to go with, and I got to watch what I always Perfect. fantasized would happen, and then categorically... Dude, I love that. Well, yeah, yes, I love that. That that's is good. That's But at the same time, though, it's all connected, and there and it's, it's not like Wolverine gets killed in one book, but he's still alive and well in another fucking comic book, man. And, and, and uh, Tom... Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Tony... Uh, he's the one that pointed out that to me. Like, like, uh, he, he, like, I'm really upset that you don't live here because our drives to anywhere are very introspective, and he was laying it thick on that sort of thing. Tom, uh, I mean, I yeah, I get that. I I uh, I'm I'm happy when I'm happy to hear you say I have this idea. And then you see it spelled out in front of you. Somebody else does it because I'm 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 realizing that the wealth of ideas and the wealth of concept that is out there for us as creatives and people who focus on writing and people who pay attention to formula and people and blah 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 all of those things that we like to pride ourselves on. Uh, when we see somebody. I could see somebody make fried chicken and I want to make fried chicken. I'm going to make fried chicken, but they're making fried chicken. Ah, damn. They're making fried chicken, but they make their fried chicken differently than me. And then they, oh man, but look how they did that. Look how they did that fried chicken and look what they're serving it up with. And, and look how well that fried chicken serves these hungry people versus these people who have, they're just tired of fried chicken and they're eating it anyway because it's there. It's just because the ideas, 
like what I'm saying to all of our, to us and to minefielders now, because I'm totally on a different tear, is that I appreciate that we are seeing something for what it is and we appreciate how it is done. Even if we're sitting there going like, man, ah, oh God, I have an idea just like that. You just said it. I mean, like, you know, yeah, you know, I've got a character that I, he's got to go back and reclaim what was his, you know, and that's the whole daredevil thing. It's like, don't he take over the hand, blah, blah, blah. These things happen. Don't People forget. People do things with these concepts, you know, it's awesome. It really is, man, and I appreciate you pointing Champion that out. people for their good, for their good work. Anyway, I'll get off it. No, 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 I don't um, want you to get off it. I just, I'm, I'm just thinking about how we were talking about collecting earlier. Um, oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. we're, uh, I, 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 Mr. Uh, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Mr. Morales here was talking about, I'm a collector. No, you're not a collector. These are relics. You're, you're, an, you're an archaeologist. <laughs> um, that's yeah. Or an anthropologist. They, these things matter to us in, in, in DC. I don't feel talked down to you. Dude. Uh, that's Tony, interesting. I like that. That's Tony, interesting. Tony, how do you feel when you read the next book? That's not an X-Men book because that's what Hickman is doing until next week. Um, with, with X Men, like it's carefully handled. Yeah, no, I mean most of the X books I've read have been really good. You know, I just kind of, you know, that's one of the things about the X books is they're like after reading, you know, House of X, Powers of Ten. You know, it's like, you know, they're basically re, they're basically creating their own society. You know, that those uh, Way of X was another one that really focused on one specific task. And that was it's it, like it's almost it almost you know begs you to read all of them that way you can get the full picture, you know. But it's you gotta you know personally I pick and choose here and there just because I like certain things or you know I like certain tasks over another or I like certain characters over another which you know while I'll read one particular book over another, right? You know, but like you know it's 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 interesting to look back at like once this this whole thing you know, co will be done. You know, cause this, this could be like the next big, you know, set that you, you know, in 10 years, you're like, oh, I wish I, you know, wish I had all of those or I finally got them all or whatnot. Right. That's always a thing that you're, yeah, I'm occasionally frightened of something like that happening, you know, but at the same time, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, guys, I'm starting to experience something that, that occurred to me. In a, in a way to put it into words recently, like in the last couple of days, I like I couldn't I couldn't record with you all last week because I was out of town. I was down in Austin. It was, uh, you know, my girlfriend had just finished working on a show and uh, we went down there and had our first anniversary. And we as I spent a week down there, we had a nice time and I went to one of the one of the coolest, biggest, most uh, most uh, comprehensive comic book stores that I've ever been to, uh, and God help me, it's uh, let me I'll I'll, I'll if I'm trying to figure it out because I always misquote what it's what it's called. Um, yeah, and um, uh, I'll say, uh, Austin Books and Comics. I I always call it Austin's Best Comics for some reason. But uh, I'd been there a few years ago, and I freaking bought the store. Um, and uh, I didn't this time. Like, 
I'm in there and I'm looking at all kinds of stuff. There's tons and tons of things. I'm thinking I don't have enough space to get anything. Like, where am I going to put anything? And then I saw like, you know, as if, as if I don't have them in single issues, I was like, Oh, I'm going to get these Gerard way books. These, these two, uh, Killjoys books that are, you know, as if I don't have them in single issues. And then I was like, no, I'm not getting them right now. But where am I going to find them? I can't. I don't. I can't think of any place that I know in my state that's carrying this. And then I go through the back issues, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I, my app collapsed. I don't know what my back issues are. Yeah. And I'm seeing some seriously good stuff, and I'm like, I'm afraid to get anything because. I'm feeling uncomfortable. Like I'm trying to, I want to get into a new house and I want to have space for everything, get it all out, recatalog it and figure out what I'm going to hold on to and stuff like that. But at the same time, I'm like, why do I, why am I, some of these single issues that I'm picking up, I'm looking at what I have most recently. And it's like, dude, it's like I say, it's daredevil and Dr. Strange. Right. Nothing else is doing it for me over there. It's IDW books because they don't write garbage. No, they don't. And it's these Star Wars books trying to catch up on stuff. And you're talking about like, oh, going in and being like, man, in five years or something, I'm, oh, I missed out on that. How am I ever going to get all of those? It happens. You well, know, yeah. I picked up a sea guy. I, we talked about sea guy a while back. I never would have been like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get that. But there it was all presented all three issues and I bought all three issues, you know, take, but, uh, take it to space, man. I'm going to take you to space anyway. Yeah. So yeah, what I'm, what I'm saying is it's been hard lately for me to want to pick up stuff because I'm not, I'm not feeling like taking a chance on things, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know what that is. When I, when space. I walk into a comic book store, mm-hmm. I walk into a bank heist <laughs> as a you willing, the joint. as a willing, no, 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 not not gazing the casing the joint. As a willing, <laughs> I'm about to get robbed. Hey, uh, I, I like walk, that. I'm gonna walk in this place. Todd McFarlane is behind him with little bandana over his eyes. You can't, <sighs> you don't know who he is. Oh God, I just <laughs> hope, a I just, white and black striped shirt. I just hope I'm a crip like he is. I don't want to. I don't. Wanna, I don't want to end up end up like Tupac guys. <laughs> okay. It'll happen sooner or later. Well, I give it three months at the most. One of my nuts is a little bit smaller than the other. If the other one absorbs the other, I could, I could be one pock. What well, the crap? You, I'm lost. You, wah, wah, wah. You, you don't know that Tupac got one of his nut sacks shut off, right? I, I Honestly, I don't care. It's just he's never been anybody that so I was... So you've never seen the music I, video for California Love? You've never seen... Poetic Justice. Yeah, that 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 video was so inescapable when it came out that summer. Yeah. You couldn't not hear that damn song, and yeah. that video was it's, on incessantly. It's one of the best. So, it's one of the best songs ever, that was ever written. I'm pretty sure that Morales Jr. was conceived during a uh, viewing of uh, California Love because I know Tony loves. Uh, how old do you think my kid is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, I I legit turned that. At least I had a kid kid when I was sixteen, which I do not. I just hope that I I just hope I'm only saying that as a shithead that when eventually next year uh, some sad nineteen year old's gonna knock my door and wanting to get to know me. (laughs) 
All right, I'm going to go to space now. <laughs> Talking, speaking of, uh, speaking of, 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 okay, so let's, I don't know how to segue this. Speaking of kids who need, no, there, is no, no. there is no good, se- no. speaking of kids that need to go to space. Yes, yes, thank you. There, there to needs to be a segue. This book is no filled with, uh, this book is filled orphan with some kids. kids who need help. Orphan um, kids. Not, not really orphaned, no. Uh, are, all they, right, so, are they are they West Coast or East Coast? This is very important. Uh, just one of each, one of each. <laughs> all right, so stick with me on this. I'm trying to I'm trying to find a way to tra- to uh, meld this together. So all right, I was uh, I was a week or two ago at uh, Wizards Asylum in Tulsa, and they had like a really knockoff rack and a discount rack, and I was like, oh look at that, a Star Trek book. That I'm not familiar with, and it's uh, it's an IDW book. It's a collection of some stuff that they did in 2009, so it's as old as my kid. Um, and uh, and it, it was a Myriad Universes cover, and I was like, "What the heck? I love the the Myriad Universe concept because I'm not like I I've got to the point where I can only accept that our heroes have had this many adventures." Uh, and be- find any new adventures as unbelievable. So I like the alternate reality stuff because it's like, okay, cool. What wacky crap are they going to do here? This is going to be all kinds of different stuff. So, uh, you know, this this story is about the events taking place in Star Trek VI, if you're familiar. And I know Joshua hasn't seen any of the movies, but in Star Trek VI, the... Crew of the Enterprise, uh, the Kirk and Company, that is, they are, they're 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 trying to figure. It's a detective story, and it's a it's a Cold War story. They're trying to find a way to make sure that the new possible peace between the Federation and the Klingons is going to actually happen, and they're going to stop an assassination attempt. And in this story, the assassination attempt happens the federation president is killed and it is you know 87 years 78 years later and the klingons have been slowly destroying the federation uh and enslaved most of them so captain kirk, so kirk and uh tasha yar i'm waiting for joshua to put his headphones back on tasha yar Oh. Um, you, you, yeah, yeah. I put my headphones on right at the exact moment. Of name that was that I was the gag. So P- P- Captain Picard, Tasha Yar, Ensign Rowe, Doctor Crusher, Wesley Crusher, O'Brien—they are running around trying to find a way to get 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 data. Data is not a commander. He's not a Starfleet officer. He is something new he was built to to uh understand the in unquantifiable aspects of time and the time and what 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 infinite possibilities there may have been and so they're a rebel faction and they keep referencing other guys that are in that are rebels like cisco or jellico or janeway etc and uh they just they're in a horrible horrible place Ultimately, there's we we we've got Riker and Jordy running around in a shuttle pod of all things, like the tiny tiny ones that the Defiant can carry on Deep Space Nine, right? And they're getting attacked 
by a Klingon bird of prey that is commanded by Alexander, Worf's son. Whereas mm. Worf is, of course, the regent of the Klingon Empire. Because and of, and Alexander is the biggest disappointment ever. And that's the thing. Unfortunately, even in this, he's still a disappointment. Like he's not, uh, he's not a good commander. He's, he's forcing everybody to do what he wants to, and it gets everybody killed. The thing is Riker and data, Riker and Jordy managed to locate data on this planet, but not before they're rescued by the USS Excelsior, which should have, you know, long ago been destroyed. But captain Sulu, Commander Rachel Garrett, who you may remember from yesterday's Enterprise as the uh, captain of the Enterprise C, um, and their crew, including Tuvok, who is a Vulcan, uh, not an ambassador, but uh, but an attache, they have been operating on the fringes of the former Federation for decades, and they're called the Silver Ghost. They, they like nobody really understands what's going on with them and how they're able to whip in and out and do all this stuff. That's really like, cool. He, it is. It's really cool. Elderly, uh, elderly Sulu and this this crew flying in, hit and run, get out. Nobody can understand it. Nobody can do anything about it. And even the Terran rebels haven't got any link to this. So for any of them to be like picked up this way, the whole point is that. Picard and Data have to get together so that they can figure out what it is that went wrong decades ago and how they could possibly fix it now. And the key to this also is Guinan. Guinan showing up in this is Picard's lover. She's blind. And she is still the kind of person you would expect. She kind of talks in riddles and metaphor. But that's how she illustrates her points. Well, she is because she knows. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. But she 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 knows that this isn't the way things are supposed to be. Just like yes, this is just a different take on yesterday's Enterprise, and it's a little bit more gutsy, in fact, because it's not an hour of television with a limited budget. This goes all over the place, and all of the little Easter eggs are super rad. Um, unfortunately, Wesley Crusher. They did not treat him very well in this. He gets he gets Roe killed. He goes off on his own, decides he suddenly hates Captain Picard, all of this stuff. And, uh, you know, he ruins a lot of their chances only until Sulu shows up and saves the day and gets them off the off of the uh, off of the earth, I guess, so that they can time travel the same way they did in Star Trek Four in an attempt to try to save uh, the Kittimer records and the Federation president. So the thing being that uh, Braxton, the time traveler from the 39th century in Voyager, played famously by Bruce McGill, um, though not in the first appearance, he's, he's out there causing all, all these problems. He's trying to stop the Federation from ever existing uh, after that point, because he knows that the that time is on a rapid course to the end of time, and that Captain Picard's crew has to be the last generation. And uh, in the end, they're like, "No, we're not going to let that happen." They end up getting trapped in the past, right at the Kittimer Accords, and uh, saving the day in much the same way that Captain Kirk and company did. And 
it's a whole different take. Like to have those characters starting back then with their still limited understanding of 24th century technology and then progressing from that point into an era of peace with the Klingons. It just, it's a different story. It's a different challenge. And it, in the end, it was like, it's kind of all over the place, but it has an ultimately very satisfying concept. And I'll say the, the illustrations were fan freaking tastic. The, uh, the, the depictions of Picard, of Patrick Stewart and of Bruce McGill as Braxton. I can't believe their characterizations were so spot on. And I guess it doesn't take much. You can get online, you can find pictures of these people and you can, you can uh, not exactly duplicate it, but you can get it transferred onto the page and then into this and colored and inked. And it's freak. It just, it was good. It was good because of that. And I'm like forgetting a book that was half off on a half off rack. This is not one I'm going to get rid of. I'll revisit this. It's pretty entertaining. How many times have you read it? I only read it the one time. I mean, I read half of it the first time. Then I went back and I started like a quarter of the way in to catch up on it because I had some time in between. And, dude, I just can't read anything while I'm tired. If I'm trying to read something before bed, I may not. Uh, I may not remember stuff. It's just ridiculous. But, um. Yeah, no, I only got to, I, I just picked this up and, and, and uh, read it over the course of a couple of days, separated by several days. And I'm just, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. I just didn't even know this existed. Just a find. It's just a find. Well, we got to start watching all the uh, TNG movies because we've, we've been putting them up for a yeah. while. <clears throat> I think you'll really appreciate parts of some of them and all of others. Tony, what you oh, got next, man? man? They messed up his rank in that picture. I like Worf. He's pretty cool. He's, oh, Worf is awesome. He's easily the most fleshed out character in the entire franchise of Star Trek. Did I, dude? I, Worf has the advantage of being in what four movies, seven seasons of TNG, and then what the what four, five, six, seven, another what four seasons of Deep Space Nine. That dude is fleshed out. Hmm. We'll see. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> All right, Joshua, tell us something. Tell us something cool. Something cool? I got nothing cool, <laughs> man. What do you got? What do you got? I'm Read us just, a book. I'm just the type of guy that minds his own business. Whatever. Read us a story. Read you a story. All right. You know, <laughs> tell uh, us about it. I'm really stoked about one of the newest uh, image books called New Burn. Um, I, told, I mentioned this to Tony. I don't think I ever said it on the podcast, but when I got back into comics back in 2007, I went to uh, uh, Atomic Pop in Norman, and uh, Ed. Oh my God, his name was Ed. His name was Ed. <laughs> he was. His he was a bald guy. Was Ed? That's his, the trifecta. That's the trifecta. His name was Ed. He was a bald guy. It's the Bermuda Triangle of Eds. You, you got to realize that. The, the the trifecta thing happened. We're on the way to New Era, and we passed the second accident. And I'm like, well, we're gonna get past another third one. Just pray it ain't us. And it wasn't us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but Ed's guy's name Ed running comic book stores. It was Ed at uh, Tommy Pop, and he's like, well, I'm, I'm looking at back in comics. I like Spider Man. I like Vertigo comics. He let me show you around, and he uh, took a lot of care. Got. 
a couple Virgo sets, uh, little first issues, and you know he was really just he was still a salesman, but he was he had a lot of care. He wanted me to buy comics, but he also wanted to make sure I was getting good comics and that I would like. And um, remember buying uh, Virgo. Um, um, uh, uh, Digital Underground and DMZ and Scalped and mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. checking out and he is like, you know what? You gotta check this one comic book out. You know what? You know what? I'm gonna give it to you for free. And you're gonna the only reason I'm giving it to you is because you're gonna come back and buy the rest of them. He he sold me an uh, <laughs> the, fir- the first issue of Fell, which is like eighth rug dealer. Fate I, I, I swear to God, my like the one I got was probably eighth printing it was uh, warren ellis and oh, ben, wow. ben templesmith and i showed mm-hmm. up the next day i got the rest of them and as a, a noir detective story it wasn't noir it was gross it was you know temple the way Templesmith does uh tony uh what did you think when you were first reading fell when i when i forked over that uh graphic novel for you uh it was solid man it was uh it was good character building freaking really you know, you didn't you didn't know these characters. This wasn't a universe you were familiar with, but like it asked the right kind of questions. You know, like why couldn't he go back to the to where he came from? The non. You know what? Thing. What was the thing with the crazy nun? Oh yeah, freaking. Uh, you know, and it was it, there. There was just it was mashed up, the- but it was like this guy's this guy's trying to do right, but at the same time he's he's broken himself. I think that's no, it was, it was a hell of a read. It was a hell of a read. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoyed it so much was that he wasn't the quintessential cop that you know broke all the rules or was too old for this shit. He he was human like us. <laughs> he was a hundred percent human like us. He made mistakes. Humans make mistakes. That's what yeah. humans do. Very and, reminiscent of like Harvey Bullock. Oh. Um, I love that. <laughs> Except he, he's a lot thinner. and um, Doesn't drink as much. <laughs> he drinks drink. a lot, but not as much. Not as much. Uh, New Burn is by Chip Zdarsky and Jacob Phillips, number one, uh, from Image. came out today, and which is Wednesday. You guys are hearing it on Thursday. But um, the care and peaceful eye that our new protagonist has, he is... Basically, a made man. He's an ex-cop. He is a private dick. And he exclusively works for all of the um, mafiosos in the city. He doesn't work for anyone in particular, but he's trusted. When uh, something goes wrong and someone needs to figure out the truth, he's the one that, that gets hired. And his careful eye, um, a, uh, a man is killed and there's missing kilos of coke and he's the disgraced son of the new head of the Italians in, in New York and he's murdered and he shows up. The, uh, the cops are already there and the rookie goes, who the fuck's this guy? And uh, the Montoya of the group pulls him back and says, fucking leave him alone. He, he ascertains the environment and the crime scene. Uh, 
a very pretty black woman is consoling the old lady that is flanking the apartment on the other side. She's got the other side that's flanking it. And uh, who are you? No, I, I don't know this guy. And, you know, he's he figures out, you know, where the security cameras are. He finds the right guy and goes back to uh, said black woman's apartment on the side. And she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, yeah, you know, just looking around. She's like, did you did you catch that? Yeah, I already caught him. Really? Already? And she's <laughs> like, and, and um, he says, you know, when I was in the apartment earlier, I smelled some really expensive uh, Italian um, designer cologne. But I also smelt, smelt fresh paint. And there is no fresh paint in that apartment at all. And the guy that killed our victim ran away with an empty bag. It's interesting. And she's like, why is that interesting? And she, and he moves uh, a picture frame. Fresh drywall. Uh-huh. And she's like, she pulls a gun on his head immediately. And he turns around and says... I knew you knew. I know you're stashing the coke. Do you know who I am? And she's like, I'm going to put a fucking bullet in your head. And he's like, no, you're not. Uh, here's why. <laughs> uh, he lays out his history, and she just sits down and starts crying. She says, fuck. And she's like, do you want the drugs? He says, no, I don't want the drugs. I don't want them. Who are you? And you know who I am. She's like, shit, I know who you are. Like, she's lying the whole time. Like, uh, remember in the first issue of Fell, when he sees the dead body next door, and how did he die, and he immediately figured out that the, the wife uh, poisoned, overdosed him with uh, Everclear? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he sniffed, yeah. It out, he sniffed it out that way. And as these pages are turning, we're getting the diary of Emily, of this working with this guy. And she's like, are you going to kill me? He's like, no, I want you to work for me. And then her name's Emily. Um, I love noir shit, man, but this is told in bright light during the night. Like, it, it's not your typical noir story. Uh, yeah, we've got the uh, Reed Richards Frosted on the side uh, protagonist, but we talked about this on the way home the other day. Goddamn, a good detective story. Yeah. God Didn't damn. quite like it. Yeah. Um, man, I, I, I'm not good at judging these books because when I stumble upon these, I'm never. It's hard to get in the mood for a noir story. It's hard to get in the mood to watch Casino or Godfather or Goodfellas, right? Mm-hmm. Or, is, or is that just me? I can see that. Yeah, it, it it was a happy accident reading this book, and it is uh, something I'm gonna definitely be following. But uh, give me some Darkhawk, man, because I have a lot of uh, questions Ooh, about yeah. issue three. Dude, I can't believe what's going on in this book. I'm I'm very surprised that uh, that it took a turn. Like I said, you know, the first issue was so groping around in the dark. It was like the worst pilot episode of a TV series that, you know, it just made you, made you feel like, Oh God, they're just mismanaging this. And then issue two, just like flipped it completely. This is awesome. You know? And, uh, this one carries on with that. We're, we're starting with Connor. He's texting and texting and texting for Derek, his best friend. We know 
Derek is dead. Derek is dead. We know it from the last issue, and the cover dictates this. But for whatever reason, man, by the time he found out about it, it's this big splash page of quiet. It's been all this word bubble going on through the whole book. And then and then that splash page has so little uh, text on it. It just I actually flipped the page and I got there and I was like, oh, that hurts. Like, because his coach came to see him and tell him about it. His dad didn't know. Yeah, the breakdown. Just, the the breakdown panels where he's told crying and then freaking out and then yeah. truly sobbing. Oh, dude, yeah, I thought that was it just developed properly. Uh, then Connor goes and he gets in the face of uh, what is this guy's name? I can't. Sean or something. I'm looking at it. He goes and he starts Sean. messing with the guy. The guy, yeah, Sean who. I, I'm appreciating the parallels between this Darkhawk and the preceding original Darkhawks. Uh, the original Darkhawk had some kind of like crime boss or a guy named Philip Bazin who had who was in cahoots with the Demo Goblin, the Hobgoblin that was possessed after the uh, uh, Infinity War, and. Um, uh, and so there's a degree of that, but there's a little bit more realism here because this is street level bad guys, but they're getting some kind of high tech and they want dark Hawk. They want the dark Hawk armor that came out of nowhere. Like, who, they want, they want to peel the dark Hawk armor off of this new dark Hawk that's running around. Right. So in a galactically stupid move, Connor goes to this bar in New York and find Sean in accosts him. And he's like, I want to know who killed Derek. I want to know. I know you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he walks outside. The guy gets the better of him and tells him to get lost. He walks outside, turns into Darkhawk, and comes back seconds later and scares the bejeez out of this dude. Uh, and he's using all of the new capabilities that we've never seen a Darkhawk necessarily use before because it's not the same armor. And if they're following any of the cool-ass stuff that they did in the Darkhawk Nova books, right. the original Annihilation stuff that uh, Abnett and Lanning were working on, uh, and I hope I'm not mistaken on that, uh, then the Darkhawk armor was never built to function around a human being. So the idea that Connor is blending virtually seamlessly into this thing is kind of awesome. And they also noted, like, he, he says at a certain point, he's like, yeah, I don't know why I'm shorter when I'm Darkhawk than when I'm me and stuff like that. Anyway, he gets into a big fight with a bunch of techno baddies. He's having a hard time with it. But the coolest part of this is that he realizes he can create – uh, like a dark force blast that's going to protect him at one point. And he's like, holy crap, I can't believe I could do that. But when he realizes these things, we get a close-up of the amulet that gives him his powers, and in the amulet is a depiction of the Chris Powell Darkhawk from the 90s doing that power, which makes me hope that there is this uh, synchronistic not hive mind, but a shared consciousness between all of the amulets. Right. Like I have gone in, I have all of the dark Hawk or dark Hawk books and I am rereading them just as fast as I can, which they are way more dense 
than this because they are still written in that kick-ass, you know, cram as much information as you can into every panel, into every page, et cetera, fashion that we got in the 90s. And now this is gigantic frames and gigantic panels and gigantic blah, blah, blah. And it's just you don't get the same amount of content. I just got to say, and then, okay, the best thing, uh, I mean, that, to me, the callbacks to, I just discovered a new power, and it depicted Chris Powell, Dark Hawk, and the Amulet doing that power. I thought that that gave me something to read into as a Dark Hawk fan. How many people are Dark Hawk fans? Very little. Please, yeah, like minefielders. If you're a Dark Hawk fan, send us a, send me a message on Facebook. I just, like statistically am interested and uh and and then like the last page spider-man and i I believe because there's a million spider-mans now i have no idea which one this is i think it's miles morales spider-man because it's the inverted it's it's miles morales okay that's great i actually when i read this at uh, lunch yesterday i was like oh my god that's exactly what should happen spider-man uh, you know, should show up a street level guy, so New York, uh, with a ton of experience. I'm a little disappointed that it's Miles Morales, but he has that much more of an edge. He's not exactly what I'm going to call a veteran character, even though he's been around for what ten years. Um, actually, you're got absolutely written. correct. Ten, ten years. Yeah, I, that's the thing. I wish that uh, the consistency of Miles Morales had been like. I, I don't feel like there's consistency there. I just need – I don't have a problem. I love Miles Morales. I don't have a problem with multiple Spider-Mans running around doing stuff. Uh, it's um, – I kind of wish they had like a clubhouse or something. I don't know. I know there's a Lego A treehouse, if you will. <laughs> Spider-Web. This, welcome to the web. I don't know what. Uh, a lot of dumb jokes that come out of that. But, yes, Miles – Miles rescues uh, Connor, Darkhawk, from the river, whether he needed it or not. And I'm like, I can't wait to see their next. I can't wait to see their interaction. Like, the callbacks work. And the callback here, that's a big callback. Because Darkhawk teams up briefly with Spider-Man in, like, issue three. And then uh, very soon thereafter, I think Spidey and Captain America have a team up with dark Hawk and it's like, it's such a big deal because Chris Powell way back in the nineties did not know whether or not he was going to be a kill or no kill superhero. And, or if he was going to be like the punisher, the guy was under enormous, enormous pressures. And, uh, I appreciate this. I'm, I'm starting to really like Connor as a person because his pressures are very difficult for me to relate to, despite the fact that the letters page, if you want to call it that, is trying so hard to make us understand people with multiple sclerosis, uh, which is afflicting Connor. Anyway, that's what I've got on this. I cannot wait for the next issue because of that last page. Like, way to go with that. And and now I just want to see where this develops, and I really need it, like, by issue 15 to start tying back. Like, can he eventually please run into Chris Powell? Get past this major issue and then move on to something else and then, boom, run into Chris Powell. And, like, God, do you have any information? Yeah, this is all space shit. You're going to have to go to space at some point. This- what? I can't go to space? Like, I can't, like that's the con- – I need that. I, I want it to last that long. This 
The last page just pissed me off, man. Really? Why? Because there's no need for Miles Morales. There's no need for a team up. No, it needs to be Peter. I really wish it was Peter Parker. I, 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 no, really, I, really, I really wish there was none of it. I really wish that really? He, I really wish that it ended with him drowning uh, with mid, <laughs> like seconds of spare. That, like I, I hate the old school Marvel mentality that if you're gonna put over someone new. Uh, you team them with Spidey, or Fantastic Four shows up. I, I like it's it's like. Um, I uh, guess that makes it, dude. I I. I didn't think of it like that. When it happened when I was a kid, necessarily. Right, but now, but now I see where you're going with that, and I can appreciate why that's frustrating. He, he can be a standalone kick-ass character, uh, Tony. When you're booking matches, when you are writing storylines, and you're trying to put the new guy over. How difficult is it to pick who is going to put him over? It, like direct parallel, what we're talking about. It comes. It really, it's not that difficult. You've always got those. You've got guys you can trust. You know, you got to have those people that you can work with, whether it's in a team up situation or whether it's an opponent. You've got to have those guys that you know, like you know, <laughs> those. It's it's you know, you have those guys that are quote unquote in the undercard that are undercard lifers that are there because they're good and you can't, you know, not everybody's going to be a star. Not everyone's going to be, you know, the main event or your champion and whatnot, but that doesn't mean they don't have a place. And sometimes that place, like I said, is, you know, pushing somebody along to get them to that next level or sometimes it's beating, you know, beating the ever loving tar out of somebody, get them sympathy. Mm. Do you, do you feel that, Bringing Miles Morales in was a, a bullshit cash grab, or just like a writer or the the staff panicking that this guy can't carry the story. No, I don't think that at all. I I like the idea that at some point he needs to have an interaction with some. He is he's brand new, dude. He is. It, it, I mean, think of it like this: he didn't go to the police academy. He's no. just suddenly I'm a super cop. But I don't have any of that experience. I am flying literally by the seat of my pants. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know what to do with this power. I don't know if it's killing me. He actually pulled the helmet off like Chris does in, what, issue two or three and freaks out. I, what I appreciate about this is, I, and I completely understand why you're saying this, but, like, the parallels of the experience from, from Chris to Connor to have nobody to talk to about this. These kids never want to talk to their parents about it. Nobody ever got superpowers and was like, I got to tell my dad, like I had talked to my mom about this. They'd be like, you're going to, you're not doing that. You ain't doing that. That's it. Then the story's over. Oh, I got to do it. You know, until, unless you're Nova in carefree Arizona, you know, what the crap is that? That the whole story drove me nuts. But like, you know, I mean, I'm I'm appreciating it. I don't see it as a cash grab. I'm appreciating it because it's bound to happen. And it's it's a little frustrating to me that it's not Peter Parker because Peter would have something to say about this. Like, oh, hey, I met your are you are you are you Chris, are you Chris? I don't know if actually I don't know if Peter Parker ever knew that Darkhawk and Chris uh, were the same people. And it's like that's unexplored territory. 
how could it possibly happen? What are the odds? Like, if if Peter Parker showed up and was like, are you are you Darkhawk that I know, or are you a different Darkhawk? And what the hell is this? You're going to have as many Darkhawks running around as there are Spider-Man? <laughs> you know, I mean, God, the opportunities, the opportunities there are so good. Hey, I, I helped that. mentor a little guy a long time ago who was in a situation, I don't know anything about your power set, but you need to talk to Reed Richards. Here's his card. Uh, you need to do this. You need to do that. And suddenly it's like it's a different story. Okay, hey, I'm not out here all alone. Oh, my God. Or, if, dude, if he'd even run into freaking ultimate Peter Parker, he would have been like, hey, look, uh, you need to stay. You need to be doing what you're doing. I think I get it. But uh, And I don't know who you are, but stay the hell away from Nick Fury because that guy's after me. He'll be after you. Like, that's boom. That's a whole direction. 100%. Like, Dude, yeah, I mean, these things work. Now, Miles Morales, what the heck is he going to say? It's just going to be like, hey, I've been out here fighting crime for 10 years, but in the Marvel Universe, it was probably nine months. And uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what to tell you. Just, you know, hey, probably make a decision that you're not going to kill anybody at this point and stick to that. And, um, you know, if you're going to hang people up from flagpoles, make sure they don't. I, who the hell? I have no idea. Like, I'm just saying, like, I feel like there are better opportunities doing it other ways. But, you know, Miles Brown. Stay in school, kids. Sorry? Stay in school, kids. Stay in school. <laughs> yeah. Don't do drugs. Stay in school. Take your meds so you don't so you don't have more white spots on your mind that are oh my god, lesions. Slowly killing you. What a horrible thing. It happens, man. I'm really scared. Yeah, I've had twelve concussions in my life. I'm nervous as hell that something bad's gonna happen to me. Yeah, man, I can't believe it's. I, yeah, I've not had that many, but I've had several. So yeah, I've yeah. done a lot of stupid shit in my life. Tony, give us some. Uh, I am Batman number three. I am Batman. Pulling him, sure. All righty. So, as we all know, uh, a couple issues ago, they uh, killed off Anarchy. Right. And. Batman is, and they have uh, they caught the guy that did it, and it turns out that um, his lawyer is Jace's mom. Mm. So she, you know, she's in there with this kid. You know, he's talking about how he can't afford a lawyer, and she's just like, "This is pro bono work. I'm working for free." You know, and he's just like, "I killed somebody." And he's like, you know, she's like, you know, there you did. There's consequences. But, you know, you're entitled to a fair trial regardless. You know, you're young. And if you were coerced. And he just starts talking about how, you know, you know, Seer said he's special. And he's trying to protect the rest of everybody else from the hidden agenda. And she's like, you know, I agree the masks are dangerous. Mask and the magistrate are both dangerous. But just because someone tells you you're special doesn't give you a license to meet violence with violence. Not at all. I love her reasoning. You know, and as they continue to argue a little bit, there's an explosion outside. And it turns out that a group of people are trying to um, save this guy from the police. So he's got a whole mob outside with firearms trying to get to him. 
you know, and the cops are over here just, you know, do what you got to do. Don't kill anybody, but, you know, do what you got to do to protect everybody inside. This reminds me uh, on, uh, what's that John Carpenter movie, uh, Attack on Precinct 59? Um, Assault on Precinct 13. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Assault Mm -hmm. on Precinct, yeah. That, that's what this remind me of, and it was gnarly. Yeah, we got a lot of a uh, lot of fighting going on, and Batman, you know, uh, Jace is looking at it, talking with Val, but he's trying to. Uh, he's already working on a case, and he's like, "The police will handle this." And as soon as he finds out that his mom's inside the police station, he's like, "Get my get my cycle ready. We're going." You know, and the cops are little by little getting, you know, shot down by these, you know, the mob. And then Batman shows up. So that's who they, that's who they wanted to see. You know, and more and more, uh, more violence ensues. And there's one guy here who uh, is basically the leader of this group calling himself King. And he's the one that uh, he wants to, you know, throw down with Batman on his own. And all he's on all Batman is thinking is, you know, just one more person to prove myself to. He says, "Well, okay then." And he goes and beats and ends up beating down King. You know, and then he finds out that uh, Sears trying to contact him because he thinks he's special too. As he's uh, trying to figure out, you know, his next move, the cops come out and try to arrest Batman because he's still a mask in Gotham. And Detective Chubbs ends up letting him go. And he goes into the police station looking for his mom. And his mom ended up shooting a guy in the head for trying to break in to the police station. And next thing you know... He opens the door and his mom's got a gun pointed at his head. You know, and he's just like, you know, we've got, you know, we've had enough violence for one day. And he's just like, you know, please don't do this. And he ends up taking the gun out of his mom's hands. And we end up going to a, uh, seeing a little bit of Simon Stagg. Or not Simon Stagg, Simon Saint. And he's talking with a gentleman named Victor, and he's like, you know, we gotta, you know, we gotta make sure this Tyler guy who killed Anarchy, you know, isn't gonna say a word. And Victor's like, I've got, I've got this handled, you know. And he's like, How can you be sure? And Victor just says, without even looking at him, because I'm good at what I do. And then we end up going back to uh, where Tyler's been held held in the police station and he's dead and that is where our story ends on I am Batman number three he saves his mom he's a hero but in the end the guy that could actually do some good as far as the cops goes ends up being killed so what do you got next Colin <laughs> uh looks oh well i mean we i want to wait for josh on that one but uh 
Yeah, I mean, I picked up the new Star Wars one. I missed one of the one of the bounty hunters one. I'd been ones recently. I had been complaining about how difficult it was to keep up with everything, but I think I kind of like I got past that uh, by just catching up with everything. By the by, the time this is Star Wars eighteen, and it's still under the War of the Bounty Hunters title. Um, this is one of those meetings, like I've been saying, uh, it, that's you know this is bound to happen or whatever. But Kira, who was played by Emily Clark in uh, President Amelia Clark, I can't think of it. Uh, you know, everybody loved her in Games of Game of Thrones, but um, she uh, she was in the Solo movie and she played Kira, that was Han's love interest, Han Solo. Well. You know, we have to get we. If you're gonna if you're gonna have this character running around, you're gonna have to get uh, Kira and Leia in the same room together and have some kind of conversation. Leia is absolutely distraught, as is Chewbacca, that Han Solo has been killed. Uh, the carbonite block, where you know, fell into the water and disappeared. Uh, and uh, Kira shows up with the Crimson Dawn. I don't know what to call that. Their super ship and is like, hey, you know, I'm coming aboard. I want to talk to you guys. And they don't want to have anything to do with it. But, you know, you got to have that face to face. It's the two main love interests of Han Solo. Uh, even if Kira is a completely different person now. It's odd that they have written her to be so um, self selfish, I guess, and so conniving because I really just didn't get the impression she was like that in the movie. But it is, you know, obviously supposed to be several years later. There's no reason why she wouldn't be now. Uh, why she went with Crimson Dawn at the end of the movie instead of running off with Han. I guess they'll chase her down for the rest of her life or something like that. It's freaking Darth Maul, you know. And I presume at some point in the regular Star Wars book, we'll see Darth Maul. I can only hope that makes sense because that felt like a cash grab. Everything Darth Maul feels like a cash grab. I don't care how good those stories regardless, in the Clone Wars cartoons are. Regardless how good it is in the cartoons, you still feel yeah, like it? Yeah, doesn't, that doesn't work. He was cut in half. I don't care. Like, I, I'm, never, I'm never really going to get behind that. Um, I say that now, but uh, right. anyway, um, you know, getting Kira and Leia into the same room works really, really well. That conversation needs to happen, even though it consistently feels like Kira is manipulating Leia through the whole thing. And it's also kind of hard to take as the side plot, which only lasts for a handful of panels, Lando and Lobot. Like, that Lando cares this much for Lobot when Lobot never reappears in Return of the Jedi. Um, hold, hold on, hold on. You're saying you'd be totally cool being frozen in carbonite, presumed dead, and both your ex-girlfriends are in the room? What? No, wait, what? No, no, I'm talking about something completely different. My bad. If I was frozen in carbonite and any of my girlfriends were, and my girlfriend and any of the ex girlfriends I've ever had were hung out in the same room and I couldn't do anything but just listen, uh, it would be, I, I'd sweat myself out of that carbonite. Right. Um, and I, I mean, not because I've ever really like gone out of my way to do anything 
wrong or mischievous or anything, but it's just, it'd be so uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, I gotta say it. I mean, any girlfriend I've ever had has had a serious problem with the fact that I've ever had other girlfriends. Um, Anyway, uh, no, I'm kind of weirded out that they're that the writers are playing Lando as someone who cares so much for Lobot who never reappears, and uh, we don't have anything really truly that dictates what Land what Lobot's personality was like or why they were really really friends or anything to that effect, but uh, that Lando at this point. After all that she he's been to through with Leia and Chewie since the Empire Strikes Back, is still wanting to like 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 I gotta get you away from this. I had a I had a plan. It all got messed up. I promise it's gonna work out. But well, he's still trying. Like it's obvious that he's still trying, but it just still bewilders me that he's willing to cut ties with the rebels and run at his first opportunity. But I guess it's his complete nature. Because he is not Han Solo, who I really appreciate uh, Kira's story about Han stepping up and, you know, taking some hits for this kid years and years and years ago. Lando is just not that guy. He, he, it's just he's too dyed in the wool as what he is as a self-serving gambler and a pseudo con artist. And it just it's like. Did you learn nothing being the Baron Administrator of Cloud City? I'm I don't know. I go back I, I, when, when they went back, and all the people were like, "Oh my God, you rescued us! Oh, we, we you you didn't leave us behind. You're amazing!" And he was like, uh, "Yeah, that was the plan all the time." It was like, "Man, dude, when are you going to start learning from this? I, some something horrible is going to have to happen to Lando to get him to s- decide." I'm totally in to rescue Han. Right. Because I'm going to go so far as to do another anecdote. I remember watching Return of the Jedi hundreds of times as a kid. But for whatever reason, when it was re-released on the big screen in like 1997, I lost my mind. Like I was so excited. And for what, and I got to say, like I, I had, I seen these movies on the big screen. It was a huge deal for me because I hadn't seen it since I was a little, little kid in 1983. And here I am, I'm a late teen, early 20s, I can't remember. And, um, and I'm, I'm looking at this movie and everybody's motivations finally came together for me. I never really paid attention to anybody's motivations watching this as a kid, except for Luke. Luke wants to get his dad back. Right. I'm, at a certain point, I'm like... When did Luke decide that it was more important to rescue Darth Vader than it was to be a rebel and bring down the Empire? Did he think that that was the single thing that was going to crush the Empire? How could it be? But then I also looked at it and I was like, Lando. Lando is a changed person. He truly is here. There's the Battle of Tanab, whatever. He believes in the rebel cause. And he has to make up for what he did to Han. He has to make up for it. And when are we going to see that change? That will truly be an interesting moment. I think Leia, it's, it's going to be difficult because the fact that you can only develop them so far before you can break what they developed in Jedi. Yeah. 
and I think no, it's, no, no. I'm saying they'll develop into what he is in Jedi. Right, right. I'm just saying there's only so far you can go because mm-hmm. they didn't develop him that far. Like he shows up, all of Pilot Millennium Falcon. Still, uh, well, he's Han's there clothes. to help rescue Han at the beginning of the movie right. in disguise, and then he's offered a, he's a he's a general, as if he's ever been the type to take command of anything, and it's like who the hell gave him a general's rank uh, when when you know he has no real combat experience or anything? Well, they must serve my little maneuver at the Battle of Tanab, and I'm like. Well, how many battles is he going to participate in? I really need a three-issue story arc showing us what the hell the Battle of Tanab is. I really want that. You want Lando stats and a train cord. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 want, I want to... Lando has always fascinated me, and I've never seen him portrayed the way they're portraying him in this comic series. And for a lack of other qualifying materials we can say under the Marvel slash Disney banner that this is canon and it will be until someone decides it's not and it's more canon than any of the expanded universe books that I so love ever was which is still rather disappointing to me anyway you know like I say Getting Kira and Leia into the same room, that was something that needed to happen. And uh, them having a conversation, it's all good. Kira reveals that Han is definitely not dead. And Leia should be the one to rescue him because... That's Leia, our princess. Yeah, they, they love each other. And Han is a good person at heart. And Kira, despite how I don't get any indication of it in the Solo movie is not a good person at heart. Uh, So, I don't know. I think that's part of the thing. If there are unwritten stories to Star Wars that everybody's just desperate for, unfortunately, the Solo movie didn't do anything. I think it's from a lack of appropriate advertising. Um, And uh, ultimately has led to, does anybody give a shit about Kira? I did. Which sucks, because I love the actress. I would love to see her in more Star Wars movies, but when you throw Darth Maul in the end of the movie, it suddenly makes the entire movie just into a cash grab, no matter how entertaining it may have been. Agreed. Because it was kind of fun. It was kind of fun. I liked it. I just love anything Donald Glover's in. He's one of my favorite Oh, people. God, dude, Donald Glover, Lando. Holy moly. Oh, my God. He was made for that. Yeah. I've got a sticker of Donald Glover Lando on my work cart out there. Really? Yes. Yeah, and it says uh, it says uh, um, like be a gentleman. I can't. I can't even remember. Damn, what does it say? Like do it, do it classy. It says do it classy. <laughs> <laughs> I got a hot topic. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Oh man. Anyway, yeah. This was you know this this isn't a good issue. It's something that needed to happen. It's just, you know, it's pacing it out because the War of the Bounty Hunters thing is what they're doing. Uh, yeah, you know, that's it. That's all I got on Star Wars this time. Imposter? That's all I can really say about it. Huh? Tony, you want to do Imposter? Mm. Uh, you can lead that one. That one, I only want to touch on briefly. 
it's got the art quality of a Bendis and Believe comic book. Holy crap, really? Bruce Wayne, yeah, but way better. Um, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Calm has, down. He, Calm down. Yeah, I know, right? I said, I said it on purpose. <laughs> Why? Is it Jay Lee? Um, it's just different, man. It's Andrea Sorrentino. Yeah, this guy can work a ruler, a protractor, and every um, horizon line you can imagine because um, <laughs> we've got someone uh, – is, is this during year one or year two? Year two. That we've got an imposter uh, pretending to be Batman killing people on camera. Like there's – in Bruce oh, – what? Bruce has been found out by his former uh, child psychiatrist that he's Batman. And before she does anything, she says, okay, I want to expose you if you show up here every single day before dawn. And let's talk. She feels responsible. And we've got flashback scenes where Alfred Pennyworth is like, I can't control this kid. Um, All the, the rest of the servants are scared to even be in his presence. Pennyworth quits, so that was a weird, like, knife in my side, like in the kidney. Not a killing blow, but this is going to suck. She says he's crazy smart, and she realizes he's Batman, and he's got to report in, or she'll she'll expose him. Now, he's coming to her later and later um, throughout the day, before testing her patience and hunting down the, the, the imposter Batman. The third character of this entire book, despite the villains that are going running amok, we've got a uh, a uh, how, do you, how do you put it a multinational technological mogul who has been targeted. He's not dead yet. His son is, and you know they've got all the the technology for this. And uh, current chief of uh, police has been snapping all the zip lines that Batman uses. They're they're looking for him. They found. Uh, how many motorcycles did they find? Like $5 million worth? Yeah, $5 million worth. I think it was like 25 or 36 motorcycles stashed around town for easy access. Correct. They're figuring out Batman's mode of of, uh, moving around Gotham undetected, and he breaks into said tycoon techno mogul's place and bugs the place. Like, he figures out how to, like access all their surveillance equipment. And typically that pissed me off, especially after the Dark Knight. You know, we can't do this. Um, it, 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 it It's really good, but that little part still bugs me. But it's more about the psychological mindset that Bruce is in in year two. What, what he's paying attention to, what... About Gotham, does he love? He's a, a spoiled rich brat. His mysterious disappearance for so so long, and and it's a really good story. But a couple things happened that were really disjointed that really bothered me. Like Tony, like what did you think when Alfred quit? Yeah, um, in all honesty, it made sense. You know, freaking, he didn't he didn't ask for this. Like I could see getting that frustration, apparently when it's and especially when it's not you know your blood, you know. Whether you do it or not, you're dead. I mean, you definitely, you know, like, oh, yeah, some days are harder than others, but 
you get enough bad days in a row, you know, sometimes something's got to give. You know, Al- Alfred had to grow up too, you know, just because, you know, he wasn't always Alfred Pennyworth who knew every time exactly what to do to make things better. You know, he had to have his hard times to learn just like anybody else. So you forgive him. Oh yeah. It's totally, it totally makes sense to me. Like freaking, you know, like I said, this wasn't, this isn't his kid. This isn't, this is something that was thrust upon him and he had to step up and, you know, even if you end up being great in the end, sometimes you, you got to fall to get there. That's perfectly put. I like that. I it, really like that. It, it took me a while to come to terms with that because any other story of Pennyworth would have quit. I'm like, fuck this story. Trash it. Stop reading right away. <laughs> but there's something really meat and potatoes about this one. The who is he? Um, part of the uh, Mad Hatter uh, is part of Mad Hatter gang. Um, the bill, the other, the guy with the money. I'm getting confused with uh, all the other Batman books I've been reading. So we are dealing with someone that is targeting a specific judge's uh, releases after it was revealed he was dirty and they were released because dirty judges, all their shit gets overturned. Yep. And well, he uses all the technology to find out, like the he's used the imposter Batman is using the sewers, and they they follow the uh, surveillance cameras, and we get rat catch. We get that's rat catcher, right? Yeah, that's rat catcher. Mm-hmm. We got rat catcher in here. We've got the uh, the ventriloquist is the uh, the son of the businessman, the abused kid. Yep. I loved it. The the way that Gotham is a third character, the way they expand on the horizon lines, how it's not just dark buildings with a lazy silhouette to the side and a couple of lit windows. The the panels that are coming on a XYZ axis floating at us from one point perfectly integrate with what you would be looking at if you had that sort of technology to surveil that much uh, information and that much uh, square footage. It perfectly matches everything, and it's it's a lot of fun. And I I, I really got into the imposter wanting to hate it. Yeah, no, it's a it's a solid book. He's got it's a it's a good mystery. You know, we're not entirely sure that it really is Rat Catcher. You know, we've got the under the under you know the brewing story of the ventriloquist kind of you know he he's a sympathetic character you know at one point he basically asked freaking Batman to to murder his dad because he's a bad person he's he's one of the bad people yeah hmm. you know we you know you you get why ventriloquist is so messed up. Because freaking, he, you know, one of those stories about a kid that never had a chance. He's he's, you know? the, he's the fuck up guy cleaning up at the hospital. Yeah. yeah even that. Or there, there's that age old story that money doesn't buy happiness. You know, he obviously had money because of his, you know, his dad. But, you know, maybe that's not what, that's not what the kid needed. Which one of the bad books was it this one where Bruce is thinking that I'm still just trying to please my father? I 
it might have been this one because on top of that we've got the uh, the burgeoning love interest between him and the the officer that's after Batman, Officer Wong. Ooh, that always puts me on edge, man. Always puts me on edge when like they're falling in love and they both have secrets and. How is it going to work out when they both know that he's Batman and she's he's been manipulating her but fell in love in the process? There's no explanation for that. He's going to get his ass dumped. It reminds me of, like, um, Casino Royale, you know, when they uh, mm. expand on mm-hmm. Bond not loving anyone. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. Like, you know, we, we find out that her parents were were murdered in front of her and that's... That's something they have in common, which is, you know, morbid. At the same time, you know, when you've got those shared tragedies, you know, I can see where that would bring people together. Their lunch date was interesting. Yeah, you don't have anyone you can relate to. And then you meet this one person that gets you on an entirely different level than everybody else. And you got to handle it. You know, you got to, you know, what do you do with that? You know, can you throw that away or... You know, nothing else has got to at least interest you to want to find out more. It pained me in that scene. They were, they, they, I love watching people fall in love and as they are at that little diner and he's terrible at flirting and <laughs> it's, it, it, like I said, it, it reminds me of Casino Royale. Like, I, I, was so engrossed in the story that I completely forgot about Selena Kyle. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. You know, that's one of those things, man. Freaking, you know, you know how the story's going to end. You just don't know how we get there. You know, we, we, I can't remember an agent or detective Wong or anybody else. So no, you know, does she make it through the story? Does she not? Do they end up to you? Maybe they do end up together at the end of this story, only to break up later. We don't know. It it all the bat books because I read Joker first. Uh, maybe, of everyone that died, made me think of this mad scientist that was, you know, bringing the copies, uh, as opposed to um, Iron Man two or was it was it which one had um, Mickey? Uh, what's his name? Mickey Worker got him too, yeah. Yeah, like where he kills the guy. Close personal friend of Colin. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What? I don't know. (laughs) It makes her a great story. Well, listen. Colin was trying this one time, and they met at this restaurant and got quiche together. It's a whole thing. Yeah, I remember. For real, yeah. Yeah. Big time quiche quiche action. You guys barfing in the the alley because he ate some bad oysters, that was... uh, Hmm. You gotta stop. Tell, you gotta stop telling us that story, man. We get it. <laughs> right. Give us some Star Trek Mirror War, man. Oh man, Mirror War, totally. You read that one, right? You said that you read that one. Yeah, I did. I read it twice. You read it twice. I didn't get it. There was a lot of things I had to look up. Oh, okay. No, you know what? That's the cool thing, though, is I feel like. Uh, this is very grounded. So the, this mirror war, is, it, it, I know it was two weeks ago, and we were talking about the uh, Terra Incognita storyline that was taking place in the Prime Universe, 
uh, probably in season four or next generation. We had Barkley running around. So Barkley isn't playing as much of a part in this, but this is the mirror universe, like we said. And uh, the, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, basically this episode or this issue has a whole lot to do with Captain Picard of the mirror universe has a, uh, a cache of treasure. <laughs> Yeah, he has a cache of treasure. He has French. It could be a cache, but it's a cache of treasure and booty from <coughs> excuse me, all of their pirate actions as as Imperials uh, hidden away because the Empire will take it from you. Do you think? And he so they go there. Do you think he was huh? actually going to share any of these spoils with his crew? I mean, I don't think it's that he needs it for for sharing it with anybody. It's that he needs it for them to conduct the uh, mission that they're trying. There's there's an overarching mission, and this is a side quest to make that mission work. Uh, it's kind of like, oh, God, have you ever seen Spy Game with Ro- uh, uh, Robert Redford and Brad Pitt? I mean, he's spending his own money in an effort to rescue his protege who he had cut ties with years before. Like it's that kind of thing. Hey, I know there is greater glory, a better chance to take over the empire. And uh, that's the whole point. When you live in this awful, awful Terran empire, even if this, this is a, I mean, I can say it's all fictitious, but this is the, this isn't even like the Terran empire as we perceive it based off of the circumstances of deep space nine where they re- focused on, where they, they visited and revisited the mirror universe like two or three, like three or five times over the course of the seven season run. And uh, because Picard, Riker, none of those characters exist in that reality for some reason, or if they do, we don't know what. I've enjoyed the novels carrying them on and saying who they are, but, um, bl- but whatever. What it amounts to is that the... Uh, uh, the only way you can ever be safe in that reality is to be at the very top of the halls of power. And unfortunately, that's even that still carries its horrible dangers. Like somebody's always gunning for you. But, you know, can you trust your crew? Can you trust the people on your ship? Now you've got a ship. Now he's gone from having the Stargazer, which has, what, maybe 200 people on it, to having the Enterprise, which has 1,100, and every one of them want to get him. But on, but it's crazy because, you know, they're just like, oh, you know, hey, I'm doing the best that I can, and I'm trying to treat you all properly. Um, you know, don't depose me. I promise you we have a, gr- a glorified direction we're going in. Um, you might have, but were you were you con- were you confused by the uh, the letter that they found in the empty chamber? Yeah, the the the, oh, the okay. bandit. The bandit. Okay, yeah. Uh, Okona is he is from an episode of the Next Generation, I think, in season one, called the Outrageous Okona, which I thought was funny because they call because he's called the Obnoxious Okona in the is, is that, universe. Is that Matt Frewer? No, no, that was, uh, Matt Frewer was burling off Rasmutin, the uh, 22nd century era time traveler. Right, right. Found a time travel uh, I, I just um, racked my mind, I couldn't think of who he was. That's this, it, you know, it's, he, they were trying to create a Harry Mudd type character from the original series in season one, and it didn't work. 
He is a roguish Han Solo type with a beat-to-hell freighter who finds himself being blamed for knocking up somebody. Who Troy and he fell in love with? He didn't. He's not the guy that knocked up this girl. It was the person that she's in love with. And he was just trying to help him out. And it's just one of these things where it's like, in the 24th century where space is completely controlled and everything's awesome in the Federation, that there's this guy that, I'm just living my life the way I want to do it, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's kind of not the broken-hearted character that was the captain of the stupid ship in the Picard TV series. Yeah. Because this guy had a great humor and was like, ah, I'm, I'm great, everything's great, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, um... So in this reality, in the mirror universe that they're portraying, Okona is a notorious thief, and uh, he's been picking on Picard in particular. I, I was like, that that's great. That's really, really cute. Then the Negvar shows up. Worf goes after them. The Enterprise bests them and gets out of there. Um, the recent situation that took place in Terra Incognita that I mentioned between is is well reflected between data and barkley as they seem to have a real hate on for one another um then we go in and you've got that one page with captain well it's yeah it's pirate captain cisco with Roe for some reason and uh dax jadzia dax and they're like why don't we help out and it's like why would we like who cares None of this should be happening anyways. Like, it's interesting to see where that goes, but at the same time, I'm like, we get to the next page, and they're depicting the intend- intended Kira from these Mirror Universe episodes of Deep Space Nine. She doesn't look like that, and she never, ever looked like that. We never saw her wearing a Bajoran uniform. We didn't see her in her, like, season seven hairstyle. I'm like... Did you guys look at what you were doing? Did the like Kira never looked like that in the mirror universe. So that kind of whacked me out a little bit. A little took me out of it a little bit. Anyway, please uh, tell me we have hope for Yar showing up. Dude, I would I would really like to see that. Uh that's what I'm saying, dude. Man, I mean, when you've got seven seasons and four movies of the next generation, you've got countless comic book stories and novels novels that go on forever and ever the 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 north american continent is weighed down and kept from floating off the surface of this world by national geographics and star trek novels and i'm telling you like it gets a little bit difficult for me to believe that they could have this many adventures and come out of it uh, it's no wonder they got to have Counselor Troy on the ship to help them manage all of the PTSD they must be experiencing. But she's she's so, also the Grand Inquisitor. That was interesting. She's the Grand Inquisitor in this. She's like their torture captain. It's so awesome. Like, that's the thing about the Mirror Universe. You just have to say, like, yeah, well, the Klingons are still the Klingons, but it's the Federation is flipped on its head. It's the mirror versions of these people. But still, Captain Picard is a great man with a great a destiny and good ideas. Uh, because he's no less intelligent. He's just probably stronger with less powerful ethics and integrity. Um, when they get to this uh, deep space station uh, that the brigands have all taken control of, I particularly like that because that is a depiction of deep space station K7 from the Trouble with Tribbles. 
that was where, like, I don't know if it's the same one or anything because they renamed it, but I love that they went in, like, just tore up the place, and then they found Okona, and they took all of their stuff from him. And uh, the the alien entity that they go and detect, like, talk to is the same one from the very first episode of Next Generation Encounter at Farpoint. Stretch your mind back to that and remember at the end of the episode, the entity that the aliens were controlling on, on Farpoint Station were, was the opposite gender of an alien that appeared trying to free it. So, like, you can expect, like, I love that concept. Captain Picard, in his, in his days on the uh, Imperial Starship Stargazer, had encountered this alien and fed it energy and made a deal with it that he could hide precious things inside of a freaking alien entity. How crazy cool is that? Like, I that never would awesome. thought of that. That's a really great gimmick. And so then... They, like, warp off and they go on to their next thing. I felt like I read four comics worth of content in this one issue. The whole thing where they find out that their stash was missing, the whole thing where they go off and try to chase down Okona and they get him and they get their stuff back, and then finding their second stash hidden inside of an alien entity, it was like three books in one. It was just badass. Like, this book is so freaking cool. Unfortunately, for a book called Mirror War, there's not a whole lot of war going on. Like, it's just another fun thing following these persnickety characters. And like I say, I complain because I feel like there's too many things going on with these characters. These are the same characters, albeit different. I know that's an, I am, uh, you know, I, I know that doesn't add up, but. I can still follow these characters and be like, hey, these are their adventures, and it's entertaining, and that's why the Myriad Universe book is so good. It's making me want to reread all of the other Mirror Universe no- or um, Mirror Universe and Myriad Universe novels that came out uh, 10 years ago, which are all freaking awesome. Anyway, that's what I got on that, guys. I love it, man. Good stuff. Did you? And I showed you, I showed you the... Uh, that variant cover. I don't usually cater into variant covers, but if I found, oh, I'm sorry, that's not for this. That's for the other one. You may all remember Minefielders, the epic cover to the uh, Days um, of Future Past. X-Men, Days of Future Past. Yeah, the uh, Myriad Universes book has its uh, cover gallery in the back, and one of them is depicting Picard and Wesley Crusher. Uh, caught in the spotlight up against a wall in those same poses uh, based off of the John Byrne cover with all of the apprehended and slain wanted posters behind them of the different various Star Trek characters and it was awesome Like, I, if I could find that single issue I'd buy it just for that cover and I could probably get it for 99 cents where? I don't know I mean Dude, I just ran into, you wouldn't believe, like, I stopped by a vintage stock today. They had virtually every issue of Machine Man for, like, a dollar, one dollar each. And I was like, dude, you know how much I spent on Machine Man over the last five years trying to get all that? Why didn't you rescue them? Rescue them. Where am I going to, what am I going to do with them? You're going to save them for someone that deserves them. Do you need some, for saving 
Yeah, uh, like Darkhawk, my fascination with Machine Man is also a low statistical probability of ever encountering anybody who finds finds Machine Man as fascinating. But they would have been protected with you until you found the right audience. Just like how you and I have traded off We Three a million times. Dude, you can get Machine Man in hardback now. You can get the entire collected collected series in hardback. I don't know if it incorporates the 2001 issue where he finds awareness looking at the monolith. You're forgetting the minefield's rule that second prints are for pussies. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I did you get of a... Second print, and I got a... Uh, this, Ooh, the hunt, was it, the which hunt, one was it? You got all the variant covers of Josh? Oh, yeah, uh... I have this thing about how variant cover uh, culture is bullshit. Uh, it is bullshit. It, it's total bullshit. Because it's not culture. It's a Would, didn't Ed crap. just have like a whole crap ton of variant covers for you like oh, yeah. two weeks ago? Oh, yeah. He's got every uh, variant cover of House of Slaughter for me. Waiting for <laughs> <laughs> but they're going to a good home. I'm saving. I'm rescuing these variant covers, which is what makes it okay in my hypocritical When are you moving bullshit. into your new home again? Yeah, um, uh, don't ever show weakness around Tony Morales because he will never forget it. Oh no! Right. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! I, I can literally name the two bad, the two ones I need that are freaking second prints. It is Batman and Robin number one, and freaking uh, Last Ronin number one are the only ones I have that I can remember at this time that are blatant second. Uh, Second issues that I don't have the first of. The big giant pimples on your collection. <laughs> it's true. It is true. That's okay. We'll find them. We, we, we go state to state looking for comics. We'll find you your last runner number one. Yeah, but no, that'd be, that's totally a big doable. one. It's completely doable. Give us a... Uh, send us home with... Um, what's the last one we got coming... I got Robin and Batman number one of three. By Lemire, one of my favorites. So the uh, the whole fun part is, you know, like I said, Robin and Batman. And this is um, basically Robin's story of becoming Batman's ward, but it's completely from Dick Grayson's point of view. It's Dick? Yep. Nice. So it's uh, we started out with uh, young Master Grayson, Trying, he's uh, being put to the test by Batman, trying to break up a meat heist. We don't know why they're stealing the meat, but they were trying to steal the meat. And Batman's in his ear the entire time, telling him what he needs to do, what he's doing wrong. And, you know, Robin, he he does what he can for a while. But at the end, he almost gets uh, hit by a gentleman coming out of the meat truck. But Batman has to stop him. And Batman is not too kind to the fact that Robin wasn't paying attention. You know, he's like, you were not seeing the whole picture, tunnel vision, my optic. Now pick up that earpiece and get in the damned car. So we end up going back to the Batcave. And, you know, he's just telling them. And they have a long drive back, and not a word. You know, Robin tries to exchange a word, and Batman just just says, doesn't even look at him. Just says, "Don't." 
know, we've got Alfred here trying to uh, trying to talk some sense into Bruce, trying to you know tell him how he's you know he's too hard on the boy, and you know Batman is basically like, if I'm not hard enough on him, he's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's and he's, you know, he, he's like I need he's like I don't need you know I don't need a, a dead child, and Alfred just looks at him he's like. I guess you'd prefer to just bring home a dead soldier then. Oh. And Batman's just like, I'll take my dinner down here. I have work to do. And Alfred just walks away. Of course you do. Bring my food, bitch. Of course you do. You never have time for me. (laughs) And we go through Robin trying to uh, make his way through class, thinking about what he needs to do afterwards. And... Spending time thinking about it, the only time he doesn't remember, doesn't think about his parents' death, is when he's you know out fighting crime. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, and we, uh, you know, and he's just hoping that Bruce is going to pick him up from school because if Bruce picks him up from school, that means they're going out crime, you know, crime fighting that night. And Alfred yeah, is the one that picks him up. You know, and Alfred's trying to play the middleman, trying to trying to figure out what he, you know, help you know Dick along, let let him be a kid, basically. And you know, being a t- being a kid, being a young boy, you know, a young man, Dick lashes out on him, <laughs> and then he ends up finding out. You know, he ends up coming to terms with the fact that uh, maybe he needs to. Maybe this is a test. Maybe he needs to prove himself to uh, to Bruce that he's he's ready. So he ends up taking his old circus uh, outfit, his costume, and altering it into his into his Robin gear. And he's documented all this in his journal. And he ends up sneaking out of the house and finding where Batman's going. And following him, and he follows Batman into the sewers. You know, he thinks I'm not ready, and he when he enters the sewers, he's like, "Oh hell, which way did he go?" So he ends up looking, and so a gentleman behind him just says, "Hey kid, what's up?" And he turns around, and it's Killer Croc. Oh damn! <laughs> Shit! <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to meet that guy in the I'd, I'd rather meet Killer Croc than Solomon Grundy. Oh, really? Yeah, we haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> At least Croc yeah. would make it fast. <laughs> so Croc ends up throwing a punch, and Croc grabs it in his hand, and he's like, where did you get this ridiculous costume? And, he, and he's got him by the throat. And he's like, answer me. And he's gonna, he's gonna, you know... Land the killing blow to Robin, and Batman is just like get away from him, and he ends up pulling him back with a utilizing a battering with some tied to some rope, and Batman and Killer Croc have a have a scuffle, and he ends up getting he ends up getting rid of Croc, and Robin's like you know you know your ribs are you okay and he's like what the batman is just like what the hell are you doing you know and robin just is like i you know i'm I'm sorry i thought you know you were going after him and you know 
he's basically trying to explain. He's like, I thought this was a test. You know, I thought you wanted me to, to prove myself by following you, you know, or let's go after him. And Batman's like, I've got at least two broken ribs. You're done. Let's go. So they end up going back to the bat cave and, you know, he's like, you know, Alfred's over here like, oh, Master Bruce, are you okay? And he's like, and Bruce is just pissed talking about how, you know, how did you let him slip away, but, you know, slip past you, Alfred, especially wearing that stupid outfit. And he goes back and he's like, I thought this was a test. You know, I thought you wanted me to show determination. And Bruce and Batman is just like, that outfit's ridiculous. How did you think you could go into combat wearing something like that? And he's just like, head down. Rob is just like, it's not ridiculous. It was my family's. And Bruce turns away from him and walks away. He's like, I know it was. And he's like, that's why I made you this. And Bruce had a another outfit made in the same semblance of his outfit from the circus. Yeah. And he's like, I was going to give it to you next time we uh next time we went on patrol together. And then Robin Dick is just like, you know, how do you know about Robin unless you read my journal? And Bruce is just like, we can't have any secrets. Oh, shit. And then and Robin's like, no, screw that. You know, that was my that was my journal. You know, that was the one thing I have that's mine. And, you know, as he storms off, he's just like, Bruce is just like, but I thought that's what you wanted. It, it was a gift. Right. So Robin Dick ends up going into his room, still in his Robin outfit that he made himself. And he grabs his journal and he just tears it up and he's just sitting at the foot of his bed crying. You know, he's like, I think I was wrong about everything, about who I am, about what I could be. And then we, you know, as he's kind of monologuing a little bit to himself, we see Killer Croc. And he's going walking through the sewers and he needs up coming out. And it's at the foot of the circus. And he ends up walking into the freak show. And there's a, a a water tank, and it turns out that that was where you know you can meet Killer Croc, the monstrous crocodile man. And it turns out he was in the same circus as Robin when he was a child. That's awesome. That's, that's and he, awesome. he was at, and he that. actually was there the night that Robin's parents died, and he recognizes. That that was the boy that he saw his parents fall. That's brutal. I really like that. There's I I uh, yeah. I mean, Robin it's, it's flips some stuff like we were talking about. Robin has not necessarily been on his own, but he's been his own thing for a long, long time. But you know, it's not like going in and saying some gigantic character was there and oh I witnessed it and it was terrible and blah blah, blah or whatever. It's like, dude, maybe that general I mean it's killer croc somebody with redeeming qualities very, ever. Very yeah. much. Very much. Yeah. It, this whole his whole thing is that people shunned him and he lashed out. Dude, really. To have yeah. like to have him and Robin maybe pair up at a certain point. There's a lot of possibility here. I, I just I would like to know where this goes. Yeah. And that's the thing is it makes it makes perfect sense. You know, it's not like 
oh, Penguin was in the freak show or, you know, or Scarecrow yeah. was the, uh, Scarecrow was the ringmaster or something random, you know, Killer Croc being in a freak show makes perfect sense. I love it, man. That's, you know, that's they one also, of the things I've heard in a long time. Yeah. Fun fact, freaking, um, Tim Drake, the third Robin is actually in the crowd the no. night that, uh, Tim, or Robin's parent loses his parents. They really packed it. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's a, that's an old story. That's, that's not in this book, mm-hmm. but like, that's one of the things is that, you know, that's why Tim Drake, part of the reason he recognizes, um, that Robin was, uh, Dick Grayson was cause he was a big fan of the circus and he, they did, a he did a specialized flip while fight well in battle and it was on the news and Tim Drake recognized it. Mm-hmm. That, that so reminds a, me, a bit of interesting knowledge. <laughs> well, it's a lot of great stuff, man. It reminds me of how it's not, it's not as good as the Joker book, but how they, they tie things in mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't feel like a cash grab. It doesn't feel like they're being disingenuous. They're really showing, and and I I don't know if it's just in my head, but the evolution of Gotham, the city itself. I like that. Yeah, man. It's a good way to put it. It's it's there right for the taking, and go get it, and make the story awesome. Yeah. It's almost like how when they introduced the Court of Owls, they made it a point to be like, oh, the Court of Owls was always around. You just, we just didn't know it at the time. And that's, you know, a lot of the reason that they are still a big deal 10 years later. Oof. I love it, man. <clears throat> are we there? Is the transmission? We're done. That kind of came out of nowhere. I'm so fascinated about where that book can go. Yeah, and and, and especially because I I, I didn't express it enough tonight about how much I love how all the Bat Bucks are making Gotham uh, like a character. Like uh, in the the issue, uh, let me pull this up real quick. Um, Let's see. Well, like yeah. I said, they've been doing it since the beginning of the New 52, just kind of interconnecting things here, like little things here and there that make make sense. But it's definitely definitely been more prevalent over the last year, I'd say. No, mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. I'm just I'm just saying that that all the little tidbits of people that are living and breathing and drinking the water in Gotham are, are becoming more and more prevalent and showing more and more responsibility that the bat has, despite the fact that his appearance, I, I really do blame the, the fact that Batman exists on all these, uh, painted up masked nut jobs. <laughs> like they're responding, <laughs> they're responding, but we get to see the people we get, uh, especially the, the reporter, uh, as part of task force Z. Um, I love it, man. It, it's, I remember thinking a couple times the past couple days, taking a break, and, like, I've never been a Batman guy. I've never. I've always been a Spidey and John Constantine guy. But Batman guy through and through now. Like, haven't been let down. Yeah, no, it's been it's been solid, man. Freaking 
like I said, the last few years have been excellent. Freaking, like I said, ever since Rebirth, particularly, and like I said, New Fifty Two is what got me back into comic books in the first place. So, good times. Oh, wonderful times, guys! Uh, whose turn is it? Might be my turn. It's your turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for everybody for joining us. Uh, if you like, I say, if you got, to, if you're a dark, a dark hog fan, if you're a Machine Man fan, I'd like to know about it. Uh, I like the Blue message. Beetle. The Blue Beetle is awesome, dude. Everybody, man, Blue Beetle. Even years ago, my boy was fascinated. I got him a Blue Beetle Hero Click, and it was the more recent Blue Beetle. And oh, nice. the stuff they were doing with with him at that point was super good. Uh, mm-hmm. Like 2011 ish, 2010, oh. something like that. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. If you like that stuff, let us know. We appreciate it. Uh, this kind yeah, of is shoot us a shoot us a thing and let us know your favorite uh, low key superhero. That's low key, your favorite M Lister. Love to hear it. Yeah. All right. This transmission is over. And this is dangerous. That's what I was looking for. That's what I was looking for.